Hey, Leadheads, Dwight Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated bore-specific patches called Seal Skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. And there's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal One CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm, inside and out, bore, barrel, everything, with the Seal One CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes, then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're gonna pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings. So I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such. You will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one and done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code Leadhead for a 25% off discount. <laughs> okay. We're good. I even tried, like, we even tried hooking up um, my freaking Rode video recorder. <laughs> that's a, that's a or the video microphone. Yeah. Hey, let's stick on top of my camera and I got one of those plugging that thing in on the on the like on the Skype page. I appreciate that. The more. <laughs> the more thing and you go to audio video settings it doesn't give me any other option other than the iMac in microphone. Is there a uh, on off switch? I it would be so obvious. Um, no there is. Yeah. Right here. I just turned it on and off again and yeah I can do fine. Okay. Okay well we're going to go with this. Jesus Christ like the $100 headphone set doesn't work but the but the $16 earbuds those usually Fucking. work the best, man. Seriously. Oh my <laughs> Perfect. We'll we'll make it work. I'm good. We're live. I'm good. Fuck it. Jesus. We'll do it live. All right. Now that we got our audio visuals all worked out, we're ready to go. Let's do this. Two hours in. Let's do two hours in. Two hours yeah, in of our sure. eight hour show. Here we go. <laughs> so. Right on. Leadheads, welcome back to another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Okay. This is a work in progress, so we'll, we'll constantly improve it throughout the show, <laughs> Leadheads. I promise you. So if you didn't get a chance, make sure you go back to the last episode. We had a great episode. It was uh, the one that we did the SHOT Show review. 
And we had the uh, beautiful, the talented, the wonderful Bill Doe Baggins, which you two guys know. That, that's how we were introduced. And I'll introduce our guest here in just a second. Uh, we also had Tom Kane with Enforce that joined us. Good old Tom. Uh, and then Maddie Scholar. And she's down there with Jason. She's down in, in the Georgia area. And uh, she she walks on planes, those biplanes, and gets out and walks on the wings and stuff. No, it sounds like my that's kind of woman. Silly. It's just it's just silly. Well, she is young. She's in her twenties, I think. But she's she started her own training company, so she's into the the firearms training and and whatnot. So she'd probably be a good person for you guys to know. She's down there in Georgia also, and hooked in with the the Daniel Defense guys. So make sure you go back check out that episode, Leadheads. And uh, we've got a great AK Corner coming up this month, so stay tuned for that. So I'll introduce our guests now. I'll let them actually going to let them introduce themselves. As you saw on our social media post, we're going to be talking about long-range precision shooting snipe, sniping uh, LE snipers, law enforcement snipers, uh, is what we're going to be really focusing on today. And then, of course, toward the end of the show, we're going to read the listener questions. And we've got awesome giveaways that we're going to be doing. Seal One, sponsors of the Talking Lab podcast. We're going to give away one of their awesome cleaning kits uh, from Seal One. Uh, but Jeff, Tyler, welcome into the show. This is the group from Standing Offhand. And they do precision rifle training. They do pistol training. They're out in the Arizona area. Uh, decades of military and law enforcement between the two, but I think I think what would be fun if I let you two introduce one another. I think that'd be fun. So, uh, Jeff, cool. let's start off with you and let you introduce Tyler. Jeff Chang, ladies and <clears throat> right. gentlemen. All right. So my uh, my my partner in crime, my business partner, uh, the love of my life, almost Tyler Ellsworth. This man, uh, he works for the, the Prescott Police Department up in Prescott, Arizona which is about two hours north of where I live. He's been doing this, this, he's been in this profession and doing this job for over 20 years. In fact, the son of a bitch is preparing to retire for good. And I am insanely jealous of that man. Uh, I think he's going to go into, into uh, MMA or something. Yeah. 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 He's, we, we call him the war panda and, and that's about right because He's violent on one side and just huggable and lovable on the other, which is why we get along so well. This is why I uh, wanted you guys to introduce yourselves. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, but but uh, Tyler spent some time in the U.S. Army and and served at a I don't know what the damn army calls it a, a post, a station, uh, whatever, uh, a fort. No, it's probably not a fort because it was in Germany. So he spent some time in Germany. And then came over back, came back home here to Arizona and, and joined the police department. And, and he's been rocking it since, since whatever years, 20 years ago. Um, uh, Tyler has been on their SWAT team for a number of years and has primarily, uh, although he has fulfilled many roles within the SWAT team, like his primary focus has been as a sniper and, um, and he is just, He's got a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge. He and I have been working together for the last 10 or 12 years, doing some instructing and, and helping folks out here. And uh, it, it came time after years of talking about it and procrastinating. Um, it came time for us to form Standing Offhand together. So Tyler Ellsworth, absolute brother, family, 
in the truest sense of the word, and I love the man of death. And now Leadhead, so welcome in, Tyler. Appreciate you Howdy. joining us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, man, thanks for having us, man. We've uh, been super stoked uh, to get this. Uh, we met Bill at SHOT Show, brought this up. You know, we were super excited to get in here and, and sit down and have a conversation with you for sure. So uh, we super appreciate you having us on. Uh, it's going to be all our treat here uh, from the Lead Hipper Gates standpoint. So he he did such a great um, introduction for, for you. Let's hear yours for, for Jeff. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, man, he's led the career that everybody wants. In my opinion, man, he's done it all, uh, wealth and knowledge, uh, probably one of the most humble people I know, uh, has the ability to, uh, talk, talk, walk the walk, but he does it in two different forms, whether it's technical or, you know, on the bottom end, uh, me and Jeff met, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago at an instructor school. Uh, it was that instant, uh, you know, the movie, uh, uh, Step Brothers. It was that, you know, uh, middle of class. I think we looked at each other and went, did we just be yep. our best friends? <laughs> yep. uh, uh, you know, uh, the stereotype uh. of a sniper is that you're kind of the quiet, meek, mild uh, one, you know, or not meek and mild, but you're the quiet standoff in the corner, uh, do your own thing. And me and Jeff are quite the opposite of that. Uh, we're loud, kind of outspoken, uh, the biggest jokers. And literally, I think the entire class hated us. And we laughed and joked through the entire process. Uh, through that time, man, me and Jeff had the opportunity to do a bunch of stuff together. His career has been amazing. LAPD, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, Phoenix PD, ran Phoenix SAU's sniper program, uh, been deployed as a contractor, Marine Scout sniper, uh, but literally, man, he's my brother from another mother. Uh, his family and mine, man, we just meld together. They took me in uh, like I was one of theirs, man. It's just never been a question. Uh, anything comes up, man, he's always the first person I call, and I would suggest anybody in the world do the same. So that's kind of where we've been together. Uh, like you said, you know, we started standing offhand together through a uh, uh, conglomerate. Uh, if you go on our website, actually, uh, our entire program is based off of my picture on our website. Uh, so when you go on there and take a look at it and find my picture on there, you'll understand the meaning of the name of our company. So that picture actually started this entire program. Well, let's uh, yeah. let's do that then. Well, while you're talking, go ahead, uh, Jeff. I'll pull this up no, for our viewing. I audience. was gonna I was gonna say that is an interesting story and pretty fantastic. So if you go to the uh, if you go to page. the the yeah the bio page yeah the team right there so that photo right there <laughs> okay is the nexus of standing offhand that is the photo that defined not only the name but perfectly I mean that perfectly says represented it all. the attitude if, if we were yeah. doing a picture meme that would be what you would have to password is that the game yeah. if you play a password <laughs> yes. and this picture came up. <laughs> So, so for our yep. listening audience, if you're not uh, watching the video, you go to their website, the team um, uh, page, and there is a picture of Tyler on the right-hand side. Uh, it looks like a beautiful, picturesque background scenery, um, and he's got his back to the camera, kind of kind of looking to his right, and then between his legs, you see this stream of, of water <laughs> flowing down <laughs> between his legs. Yeah. He's taking a whiz a, in nature. I like it. It's it's about perfect. Um, when when we saw that photograph, like I rushed over to Tyler and I said, "This is it. This is this is it." Like, 
<laughs> this defines, defines exactly it. who we are, right? And uh, you know, the like the the landing page, the home page for the website defines the term standing and offhand, and that is exactly what we what we try to represent, right? Standing a position from which one may assert or enforce legal rights or duties, a position relative to a standard of achievement. And then the word offhand, and it's spelled specifically that way because if you separate the words off and hand, it becomes something different. different but offhand meaning. from the colloquial term, ungraciously or offensively nonchalant or cool in manner, cavalier, informal or brusque, like that describes the two of us, our personalities, and our attitude towards what we're doing with standing offhand perfectly, and that's exactly why it's named standing offhand. So, I like that. Uh, plus, there's that double meaning, right? Because words have meaning. Standing meanings. offhand is a position from which you, like, you folks have have been shooting mm-hmm. shooting rifles for centuries. Um, it's that unsupported standing offhand position. Where you, only you are supporting that rifle, and that's and that's what it is. So, it does have kind of a double meaning. It was named that way for a reason. Double and, but yeah, but that photo is is the one that tells the story. Sums it up. I love that. It's awesome. <clears throat> so, we're gonna we're gonna learn more about you guys. We're gonna learn more about standing offhand. Are we gonna talk about your other company also, or is that just kind of an amalgamation of of both companies there? Well, the other company is. It's called Dead Drift Consulting. That is the LLC that that Standing Offhand operates under. Um, and you know, I've I've gotten a lot of questions from friends and coworkers to to ask like, why did you separate Dead Drift Consulting? <clears throat> Which was kind of established, I guess. I mean, I don't like social media is fun. Um, <laughs> Well, and it and it is no to. shit. It's it is a marketing tool. Like 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 anymore in today's society, if you're not on social media with your with your thing, then then it's it's not gonna. It, is it's it really gonna, a marketing tool, or is it more of a a statement, a status, kind of political platform? So I think I think it would. I think the answer to that question is both. Or is yes. <laughs> well, I think it started out oh, yeah. as marketing, but it has turned more into a self-serving uh, agenda presenting Absolutely. political platform. But you, but you, I can't, as much as I want to, I can't deny the numbers and the statistics and the results that people get from, from the use of social media. I yeah. mean, it's part of our, it's part of the fabric of our culture anymore. Well, Instagram uh, is amply named. I, I will give it that. Because you get <laughs> yes. you post something it, it, interesting, it gets instant results. Yeah, good, bad, and, you know, or I think indifferent. A lot of yeah. it comes to though on how, how do you use it? How are you applying it? Right? Yeah. I mean, are you putting it on there to promote you or to promote the theory that you're trying to promote? And you know what I mean. So I know what you mean, but but the ways. people that are that are on there want to see a certain thing. So are you catering yeah, sure. to those people to to get clicks? Are you doing the clickbait thing? Are you being yes. true to who you are and what you are? And and even though you may not get as many looks or followers or clicks, are you abiding by that, or are you falling yes. into the clickbait? Yes, um, mentality. and and those those entities I think are out there regardless. Like, yeah. and, and they and they always will be. And they're the huge ones. They're the ones that do 
you know, all the, the viral crap, yes. you know, which is specifically why <clears throat> I do not follow or I will unfollow because emotionally or instinctively, maybe I did in the first place. Yeah. Uh, like all these chicks with guns things. Like there are very few that I follow. Yeah. Uh, and Maddie usually, would be one that you would want to follow because Maddie is yes. legit. But there are, yes. I know what you're saying. There are the gun bunnies that are on there with their, you know, showing their boobs and their butt. And, you know, that's. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a man just like anybody else. And I appreciate it. I'll watch it. Like anybody. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I may not it share also, it, but I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> right. But it also, too, like on the principle of the matter, it does, it does offend me a little bit. Like I, I, I take, I take a little bit of that. Like I get a little defensive about that because there are guys like Tyler and I, who are out here, whose focus is absolutely not to make money. Like we're not trying to retire off this gig. Like we're motivated by a different purpose. Mm -hmm. And yet, like, like you said, yeah, the 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 hundreds of thousands of followers that want to see, uh, a like a, some chick who is scantily clothed holding a gun that was current that was relevant fucking 15 years ago mm -hmm. like honestly come on like what you know what i think this is a great great jack wagon segment right here you know i, th I think this yes. fits the bill for our jack wagon train so <laughs> let's let gunny bring that train in hey rough zipper fine do or die hold them high at eighth and i it is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week so brace yourself baby he is a brother gunnery sergeant. Cheers. Cheers to, to the gunny. Cheers to the gunny. Great memories. But, you know, I mean, there's like just to kind of continue a little bit, because I don't want to get embroiled in this particular conversation. But Well, we're going um, to because we, we're talking jack wagons now. So you, there, are, you there, are, there, <laughs> there are plenty of competent, proficient, professional female officers out there. And quite honestly, um, I think they are like a – a positive attribute or a positive benefit to to a tactical team. Um, you well, know, I want to add something. Yeah, go ahead. About that, right? We're talking this Instagram thing and this look and this deal. We know people out of Arizona, and I don't want to mention names. I ain't throwing anybody under the bus that's in a in a bad light just because that's just my opinion. But I am going to mention somebody in a positive light. Take people like uh, Regina Milkovich, right? That woman is a phenomenal friend of ours uh knows her weapon system inside and out but doesn't flaunt it right she's not, not familiar out there with her what she do who is she for the gram uh she's the top prs shooter female pr shooter in the united states oh okay and she outshoots her husband who competes against her who's a, who's a sniper for an agency here in the valley and her name's milkovich yeah Re regina regina milkovich okay i'll look her up mm -hmm. yeah phenomenal lady but like She'll post pics, but it's not like, hey, look at me, and I'm this or I'm that, you know? She walks the walk, talks the talk, and she's super humble. Uh, she probably knows more about a gun than my, I do. And <laughs> yeah. uh, anytime yeah. you talk, she flat sets back and listens to every word that you have to say. And I try and do the same thing with her. She's absolutely phenomenal. But then we talk about these gun bunnies that we're looking at, and me and Jeff probably know exactly who we're talking about. Uh, they look really good, but have no clue what's in their hand. They're yeah. making money off an industry that they don't even know what it, what it is, how it does, how it works, what it's for. Yeah, and I think those people are obvious. I think they just, they're 
we know who they are. They stand out. We know exactly who they are, what their purpose is. Even though it, it does bring attention to the firearms industry, um, you know, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? You know, it's personal personal opinion, I guess. Um, but well, and you know, to an extent, it boils down to respect. It does, right? yeah. Respect for the profession, respect for themselves, respect for me and Tyler and you. Like, I don't, I don't have an issue if you know someone's selling their look because it's because it's lucrative and it's a good marketing tool like okay whatever but at the same time but there are plenty that 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 look and you know the look may get them more than normal but at the same time they use the look to like you said push and promote the you know the real firearms industry you know the knowledge the the, the safety the you know all all that goes behind it. The, the respect yeah. they respect it, yeah. but they're using yeah. you know the tools that God gave them to do it, but they're doing it in a a good way. So yeah, enough yeah. about For that. Sure. You're right. I, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So <laughs> uh, <clears throat> those those kind of people are on our jack wagon train. We 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 got it. So what about right what about other jack wagons? Anybody else you want to throw on the jack wagon train? Anybody <laughs> anybody else that's just kind of you know just yeah, Making so your skin I'll go crawl. ahead and start this one. I, what I have, what I have a real problem with, and and this is no mystery, and it's it's been one of my one of the things that stuck in my craw for a while. It's uh, so let me just let me just preface this by saying, I have all the respect in the world for our military brothers that have gone overseas and done that job. Um, I was one of them to an extent. Like, I'm not going to promote myself like I was some freaking Chris Kyle or Nathan Place dude because I wasn't. Uh, and 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 I would never take anything away from those guys. But at the same time, for the last 15, 20 years, uh, for as long as we've been in freaking combat as a nation, um, <clears throat> the, the, like the market, the training market has been super saturated with dudes that come back from combat and want to get into this training genre, I guess, Mm -hmm. and really kind of promote like push the skills that they've learned and the things that they've learned. And that's absolutely relevant to everything. And that is, that is fine. And I dig, I dig the shit out of that. But what I have a problem with is the assumption that what worked overseas works here. Mm-hmm. 100% like 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 if I'm that guy what I'm saying is unquestionable so don't 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 try to push back take what I say and do what I say and if you don't then you're a fucking idiot and I say this out of personal experience because I've experienced those dudes mm-hmm. and Tyler has too I've experienced those guys that God bless them for what they did overseas but you cannot have the ego and the arrogance to think that you understand everything about everything based on that experience. Yeah. It doesn't like equate different... to this it's, environment. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's a different experience here because we're not shooting combatants. We're not shooting dudes that are trying to kill us like no matter what. Um, okay, well, maybe that's not entirely accurate because those criminals are out there in our society. Yeah. But they're still American citizens and we still have to consider that factor 
in every decision that we make as policemen because we're American fucking policemen. We're not we're not at war with our own with our own uh, society. Or are so, we? Well, and to add to, add to that though, like what you're talking about and the where I see it, I wasn't a I wasn't a sniper in the military, man. I was nothing, right? I mean, I just did my stuff, whatever, moved on. But so I see it from a different world. When you're overseas, man, everybody's a combatant, right? And you don't have that ability here. You have to have 100% facial recognition. I'm with Jeff, man. I I respect the holy shit out of all those dudes over there doing what they do that's a hard job it ain't easy but you can't come here trying to explain to us that you just shoot people down range because that's not our job our job here as a police sniper is something completely different but you get these guys coming home trying to shove it down the throat to sell not only their ideology but their equipment and um ways that they've been taught it it doesn't come across and when people try and explain that to them, they get the arrogant attitude of, well, I was overseas and in the box and I've shot people. I appreciate it. I'm mm-hmm. glad that you were over there and I'm glad that you teach people to do that. <laughs> right. Yes. Go, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Stay in your realm. Then if you're not willing to adapt and do what we do and yeah. to do so, you, you need to insert yourself into that world and understand what it is. Yeah. And when they don't, that causes us problems in our uh, environment because we've got to go back and dispel all that bullshit that they're shoving down these these kids' throats that look up to them. I do too. I'm not going to tell you I don't, but it doesn't equate to what a law enforcement sniper does or needs. Right, right. I agree yeah. with that. And we're going to talk more about that when we get into talking about yep. what it is that you guys do. So um, I've got a listener-nominated jack wagon here. This comes from FPS Murdoch. <laughs> And FPS says, I nominate James Carville, a Democratic strategist. <laughs> he recent, recently cursed out unvaccinated individuals on his podcast last week, saying anyone without a vaccine was a piece of shit, and he wanted to punch them in the face. Uh, what he's a jack dude that dresses like with a bow tie and all that shit, right? Uh, I, I don't. He's, he's a yeah, bald head, little, bald looks guy, like he's got, yep. uh, you know, yep. he's on... Uh, chemo or something. I don't know. A little dude. <laughs> I mean, if he needs to punch somebody in the face, I'm letting him hit me. I don't think he probably hits that hard. It'll probably break yeah. his wrist. Yeah, he'd break his hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That dude would break his hand. I mean, problem solved, really, right? Yeah. So I, th- I think that's pro- – I haven't seen this or, or heard about it, so uh, – but well, I can see problem, this guy saying something. If you're, if you're in that position uh, and you're vaccinated, why do what I do bother you, right? You're vaccinated. Do you? Because vaccinations Why? don't work. Because <laughs> people still <laughs> well, get it and they still transmit it, even though they're vaccinated. So, yeah, right. It, you so. get you get the flu shot. You still get the flu. It ain't no different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I, I guess I, I know these people. And are I can tell personal stories about that too, like in my own household. Like yeah, but anyway. Yeah. No, it just it just kills me. Everybody's got to have a hand in what you do anymore instead of. Hey man, just mind your business and let's let's move on and be us, right? Yeah, absolutely. What about what about you, Tyler? You got any specific jack wagons? We were talking. Who were we talking about beforehand uh, when we were warming up for this? Oh, um, who weren't we talking about? <laughs> God dang it! I yeah. should have wrote that down because it was an absolute friggin' phenomenal uh, person. Then we got off into the weeds, and now I'm I'm struggling to remember who we were talking about. <laughs> well, we were talking about Canada and the truck drivers um, and the situation that's going on up there in Canada. Um, that's right, and about how it was a coup if we did it here. And, 
what they call it in Canada already? They're, uh, they're already calling it an insurrection. Insurrection, yeah. And yeah. we talked about it here about how, you know, God forbid you question anything that's done here and everything's an insurrection. That's where we went because the other side did it and burnt the city down and shot people. It's peaceful protest. Robbed and parked, stole, yeah. Right. We Looted. parked a truck in the middle of the city, then it's an insurrection. Can't honk their horns. They've passed a law now that they, for the next 10 days, the truck drivers cannot honk their horns or they will get uh, arrested or cited. No one can supply them with gas or food or anything. So, oh, hell. So if you. And who came up with the 10 day thing? Is that like, you know, uh, Trudeau, I guess. For the worst to pass in 10 days. So they figure in 10 days you'll forget. And Little Napoleon Trudeau, I guess, did that. Um, but. If you're caught giving them fuel or any supplies, they're going to arrest you also. He must be banging Nancy Pelosi. I think it's his mom. That is the that kind of hurts my heart a little bit even to think about that. I don't necessarily yeah, think probably, we should talk about that much more. Even though it's his mom, he's probably still banging her, yeah. Um, <laughs> that sucks. I just like hope Alabama or something. I just hope British Columbia stays like livable uh for the next Call it eighteen months because I'm going. To, I'm going to Whistler to ski next February. So, oh. <laughs> God damn yeah, it! But, like we don't know how how Canadians get. You know, it's like they run into each other and then they yell at each other for a minute and then they're like, "Oh, sorry, eh?" And sorry, then they move on, right? <laughs> Great White North, eh? <laughs> hey, yeah, there hey, you go. You got some beers, <laughs> your hose head, your hoser. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what was that Saturday Night Live, guys? Uh, yeah. Um, well, Strange Brew. You remember Strange the Brew, Strange the two Brew? brothers? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, that thing's freaking hilarious. That's and mm-hmm. like I'm not a big Canada guy. Like I don't even I don't think I I know a Canadian Rob Furlong, and uh, but he's like a complete different breed, right? But so <laughs> I you say Canada man, and for some reason Strange Brew comes up, and I think everybody's that way, and I don't know why. Speaking of Canadians, um, Alec Baldwin. Uh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think we're staying on the hate train. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So as everybody knows, I've been keeping up with this uh, murder that he did uh, on the the set of Rust, this film that this western that he was shooting, filming, and um, they've been trying to get his phone for evidence for the past I don't know months, couple of months, whatever. Probably since the beginning, but he's been said he's been cooperating. He finally turned it over. I do believe uh, these these months later, so he's had time to go through and delete and you know whatever. But he he has turned that over. I'm I'm reading right here updates as it happens. One hour ago, Alec Baldwin's car stolen upon landing in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> a car sent to pick up Alec Baldwin from a UK airport was reportedly stolen before he could even get it. Uh, the actor has revealed the 30 rock actor told fans in a video clip that he wants to keep a little diary during his work travel. Uh, who gives a shit? Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> his car is probably like the same thing as, re- as his uh, single action revolver. It probably malfunctioned and drove off by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he didn't pull yeah. the trigger. He didn't pull the no, trigger. And I could totally see how a single action revolver just. Well, you pull the hammer itself. back and you release the hammer. It's the same thing. Right, but it malfunctioned because your finger was on the trigger. It's weird. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've been around a whole lot of guns. I, I got a whole bunch sitting around me right now, and none of them have malfunctioned. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the whole bullshit. It's the whole thing of let's sell the agenda and not the story, right? Mm-hmm. So um, here's another story on Alec Baldwin. The 63-year-old actor is filming the independent thriller 97 Minutes on location in Hampshire in the U.K., where he has been photographed having dinner with some journalist. Uh, so he's already back to work. He's working now. He's on another movie. Well, it, and you know what's, what's uh, complete and utter bullshit about this is, is this is the epitome of the jack wagon, right? I mean, the guy despises firearms, but he's in like outspoken despises mm-hmm. the industry oh, yeah. that we live and die by. They're all hypocrites. But yet has zero problem making millions of dollars using them. Oh, yep. absolutely. They're all hypocrites. Yep. Every one yeah, of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's it. Just that really just chaps your ass when you really think about it. Like, yep. you know what I mean? If if I don't like something, I'm sorry. You ain't paying me enough to promote it. Yeah. So he hosted this game show called the Match Game. I don't know if you guys you remember the old Match Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Rayburn and they would have like oh, six yeah. celebrities, and they'd have two contestants, and he would read a question, and they would have to like fill in the blank. And okay. the, the the contestants would have to match the celebrities with what they said, and they got points for that. So mm-hmm. it'd be like, uh, you know, question like, uh, John was so fat, you know, he ate a hoagie sandwich, and his wife told him to blank, something like that, and they'd fill in the blank. Anyway, mm-hmm. he he hosted like a modern version of that. There is an episode that's called Shooting Blanks. <laughs> I think it's season five. <laughs> Let me see if I can find. See if I can pull it up here. Oh my god, that's the most epic thing right there. Are you kidding? Oh me? my god, you can't even make this stuff up. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't. Um, here it is, right here. Uh, IMDb. I'll share my screen. You got. You got to see this. Uh, hopefully, I can play the video. But it, I mean, it's just like foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Simpsons for uh, Alec Baldwin. I think he's a, he was on the Simpsons. So here it is. There? It's called Shooting Blanks. And you see here's a little picture of it. So he's dressed as a convict. God, I wish I had a video of this. I think there's only there's only, there's only two pictures of it here. <laughs> Um, but if you go to that, if you go to that video, I'll find it before the show's over. You you play. He comes out. He's in this uh, prison, the, the striped prison uniform, um, and he's laying on a chalk outline. And and they they zoom in on that, and then he gets up, and then he says something, blah blah blah, and he goes, uh, "The epitome of my career, right?" There. <laughs> he said like a. It's hilarious. You gotta watch, and I, I can't believe I've not posted it on social media yet. I, I need to do that because I've got it on my phone. I've recorded it. It's hilarious. Um, I'm surprised that Zucker, Zuckerberg hasn't sucked it off the internet. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised there's still. You can go to I think it's Hulu, and you can go no, to Hulu. There. Hulu, mm-hmm. and it's they're they're playing the match game, and it's season five, episode two. <clears throat> 
is the one you can go and you can watch that and it's just like wow it's just too freaky anyway Unreal. continuing my jack wagon alec baldwin is still on the jack wagon train i'm going to keep bringing him up until justice is served with him until he admits that he actually did something wrong because he keeps denying that he did anything wrong he wasn't his fault no no, no part not. at all was his fault <clears throat> now you know we had there like, are other people uh, to blame like, but yeah he's we, got his we, part we had we in phoenix here um it gets it gets hellishly hot right it gets upwards of 110 degrees on a regular basis and it's not unusual for us to get over 115 and i remember there was a time when when and i don't, I don't know what the circumstances were like politically or like within the city but somebody once made the statement it's not the heat it's the hypocrisy <laughs> right yeah uh -huh. and that statement has been like carved in stone for years because it was so appropriate and it's so applicable to everything that happens uh like politically here within the city of phoenix and 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 the phoenix valley and whatever else and you know it that the the hypocrisy is it's 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 overwhelming it's enough to drive a man crazy and i'll you know i'll be honest like getting a little personal here i'll be honest like these last 18 24 months have been very difficult for me psychologically and emotionally because i've i mean i'm in my 34th year in this profession mm. and to see society like like decompose into what it did in 2020 um yeah. i think, like I think it it's made in me, a lot of people ask way. some very some very deep questions like internally of what i've been doing for the last 30 fucking years um so well i think if I, I if, think... if 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 people didn't look back <clears throat> and in retrospect ask that same question to themselves as an american as a patriot you know then they're not really you know, a true patriot yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's, sure. i think it's it's bothered obviously the majority uh all of our listeners i'm sure the leadheads um we're preaching to the choir here but Mm -hmm. uh, it has had a profound effect on a lot of us and the way that we have handled it and continue to go through and handle it is really going to speak volumes as to if it continues from here. And we've got that election yep. cycle and that's where we speak our minds. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all in, in the, the voting and you got to get out there and vote and you saw what happens when you don't, or was it rigged? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, they got it so, so, chasing each other's ass uh, right now. I was like, was it rigged? Was it not rigged? Was it legit? I mean, yeah, that's, at that's this point in time, I just, I just don't think it can happen without, you know, no people fudging with it, you know, fucking. No, with I don't, it. I don't either. So I think no, there's I mean, got to be some sort of. It's not about the people. It's about them. Yeah. And maybe I'm foolish. From both sides. This, but like, it's, it's. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I have more faith in, in like the American people than, than what the outcome of the election was. And honest, and honestly, like maybe I was just being uh, an idealist or, or not recognizing the power of something. And it takes me, it takes me considerable effort just to make that statement alone. But, you know, 
I hesitate to to identify myself as like a conspiracy theorist because of the negative connotation that that kind of carries with it. But at the same time, like I don't, I I cannot believe at all that the American people as a whole found the year 2020 acceptable to live by, and 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 wound up voting for someone that like. I mean, for all intents and purposes, supported the entire thing. And I, I, I don't know. I don't. This has caused me considerable anxiety and 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 stress and some deep thought and a lot of questions that I don't even have the ability to answer. Um, and this is getting a little bit deep here, but sure. <clears throat> but I don't I don't know. I cannot come up with a logical explanation for it. And and to me a logical explanation is required for me to accept an outcome. And, and so I, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't believe it. I, I can't believe it. And I can't bring myself to say oh, there it is. that this is acceptable. Now on the other side of that same coin, like Joe Biden is my president because I'm an American fucking citizen. And I'm not like irrational and motivated by something, an agenda that is entirely emotionally based. Joe Biden is my president because I'm an American citizen. Um, and I went to war under a, a leadership that other people disagreed with. It was just fortunate for me that I agreed with it. Um, so I don't know where I'm going with this. But I'm fucking frustrated, <laughs> and I think that's the point that that you were making. And it's and a lot of people are very frustrated, and it's hard for us to vocalize it. You know, it's hard it's yeah. hard to put it in words because it's just it's something that you just you can't imagine. You know, it's like this is this is yeah. reality, but it's like a movie. You know, it's like it's just something yeah. that you would see in a movie, but it's no, well, it's and, real. It's and happening. Those of us, you know. T- Tyler and I are included in this group, but those of us that that have written a blank check to the United States of America, like up to and including our life, as cliche as that might be right now, it still applies. Like it's it's still it's a still a valid statement. Like I was willing to give my life for this country on more than one occasion um, because I believed in in. In the United States of America, I believed in the U.S. Constitution, and I believe in in our way of life, our our democracy. Uh, however, you want to define that, I believed in it. Um, I still don't believe. I still don't agree with somebody burning an American flag. That makes me fucking insane. But at the same time, if if the First Amendment applies to me, then it applies to that guy too. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm not going to second guess the Supreme Court, um, <clears throat> but it means something different for those of us that have said, "Yeah, I'm willing. I'm willing to die for this country and and the reasons why we're here, even if those reasons might be less than honorable." Mm-hmm. You know, because I think there's a valid argument going back to Desert Storm, where we did it for oil, but. It, but on the, on the other side of that, on the other side of that argument, is 
and maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself, but right now, like in 2004, I re-enlisted in the Marine Corps and came from off contract, zero obligation to the United States military. I re-enlisted in the Marine Corps and went to, and went to war physically went there to do the job because I, because not because necessarily I believed in like the motivations of some Senator that owns stock in whatever fucking company, but because I couldn't sit here in front of a computer screen, like I'm doing now and watch my brother Marines get carried off the battlefield and not do anything about it. Right. Like I, it was, I was compelled to do it, was driven to do it. And so I, I don't, I'm, I'm rambling and, <laughs> that's I, and okay. I apologize. No, that's okay. But it is something. What about you, Tyler? You You know, it's, uh, you know, when I was in, it was, uh, you know, Jeff said he had somebody that was under, he believed in their program and they went. Uh, When I was deployed, it was under leadership that I didn't believe in. But guess what? I'm with Jeff. Uh, I signed my name on the dotted line to say that when the big man in the corner office says you do, you do. Um, Whether you like it or not. But if people would really focus on that in life in itself, I think we'd see a huge change in America. Uh, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not the way it's going to happen, you know? Um, and I really think that's where Jeff's going in this a lot. I mean, he's going into it a lot deeper because that's my brother Jeff, and, and he has passion and has understanding of that, right? Um, but when you're, when you're out there, it doesn't matter whether you sign your name on the dotted line or you're just doing everyday business. I think that's the fall of America that we're having today is that uh, people don't realize that and they want to fight and argue the entire piece instead of just going to work and getting it done. Yep. Yep. I agree. So I found it. <laughs> that's why you were talking. Is you, you were stalling until I found this video. Um, you have the video, picture of it? I, no, I, I found the actual video here. I, I just went ahead and logged into to Hulu. Um. It's it's episode one. It's season five, episode one of the match stars. game. More stars. More stars. <laughs> I don't think you guys are going to be able to hear it on your end, but our audience will be able to hear it here. I was just dying at the freaking layout of the dude on the ground. <laughs> the, the chalk. So this is shooting blank, season five. Season five. Is this the complete episode? I don't think this is the complete episode. They may have already pulled it. Stars. More stars. More stars. (laughs) Well, Tony, that's what you get for watching every friggin' cop show. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's ironic Uh, because my last Pride Instagram photo was... Thanks for that. Adam. Like the subtitles. Yep. I yeah, you're that. not going to be able to hear it okay. on your end. Um, That's okay. But there, it is. for some reason, it's not playing the beginning of it, and they probably cut that out. They probably somebody probably Weird called job. in. They figured it out because the whole thing, except for- and ready. Oh, here it is. the suspects, Mario Cantu, Jennifer Esposito, Adam Rodriguez. They might watch the whole thing. Yeah, we're just going to watch the intro here. Michael Chiklis is in this episode. 
famous TV can, police. I can see the subtitles. I'm getting little bits and pieces of the body. So here it is. Yeah. Look, look. He's on a chalk outline. I'm earning every dime this season, folks. I'm earning every dime. <laughs> <laughs> and that right there no. is the chalk outline no, you're not. of my career. The chalk outline of my career. <laughs> Tonight we've got a panel of celebrities. And that right there is the chalk outline of my career. Yep. All that time. Thank you for your thing. patience and letting me find that. So <laughs> I think it's well worth the wait. I need to post that on uh, Instagram. I'll probably get banned if I do that, though. What do you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's probably worth a try. It's worth a try, right? I've never yeah, been yeah, banned yeah. before. Might as well go ahead and get my first ban in. So it, let's let's counter this real quick with a hero. And, uh, the, of course, the truckers in Canada are my nomination for heroes, and we talked about them. And we've got uh, FPS Murdoch again. We're going to go with him. He's got a hero, and his hero is, let's see, FPS Murdoch. I'd like to nominate James Jaeger of Tactical Response. He's been teaching good people to kill bad people for over 25 years now. He's a genuine dude, and I'm damn proud to call him a friend. So there you go, James Jaeger. Are you guys familiar with James? No. Uh, who's he from? Who do he serve? Like, what's so James is a, I've heard he's a controversial personality in the firearms industry, mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, genuinely, he's a good dude, though. Uh, I know him personally. He's a friend of mine. He's been on the show. Um, he's from Tactical Response? Tactical Response is his company. Okay. It's the name of his company. And he, I guess a month ago or so, and we were, we've noticed it, you know, over the last year or so, but his speech had gotten a little different. And uh, he put out a video, I guess, last month stating that he may have ALS which he probably does. Hopefully not, but he is uh, getting diagnosed and, and all that stuff. But a numb tongue is part of part of that, and it affects your speech and yeah, loss of strength yeah. and, and all that. But uh, absolutely, I'll, I'll second that 100% FPS. James Yeager, Lead Head Brigade hero. He deserves a ride on Lead Force One. So good nomination. Absolutely. There. What's his uh, What's his background? Where did he come from? So he's a LE background, and then he did some contracting overseas. Okay. As well, there's a controversy over a uh, incidents that happened overseas that he was involved in, and uh, so I mean, you either you either yeah. like him or you hate him. It's kind of one of those. There's no in between with James. Well, yeah, you know, Tyler, Tyler, you and I are going to get killed over the fact that we're not. Like, like, familiar with right. James Yeager. I've I know the name. I've heard the name. I've seen the name for for a decade or more. Yeah. And I know I know the guy is well respected in some circles and not so much in others. And like, whatever. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, it's like but, you're saying though. There are people that they either agree with you or they don't agree with you. And yeah, but but I mean, I'll I'll give the man the benefit of my doubt. Um, I haven't taken any of his classes. I know he's been around for quite a while because I remember the scene. I remember seeing the man's name uh, over 15 years ago, mm -hmm. um, and I know he's done a lot and he's helped some people. So I'll give the man the benefit of the doubt, and and I have zero reason to to <laughs> to question anything about him because I, I don't think know you guys anything. would get along great. Um, yeah, 
Just so. now, that's a good part of me and Jeff. There's hardly anybody that we don't, but I'm definitely going to go and look up and uh, uh, take a, yeah. a bird's eye view. Well, he of the per- program, personally probably know? won't be training for much longer. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's rough because I have I have a, a family member uh, once removed. I'm not even actually sure what that term means, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> uh, who who like like suffered for years with that affliction and and wound up passing away and and I know that ain't easy and that yeah. that's that's I've seen the effects on the people around him that love him that it's a horrible yeah. disease definitely that has so yeah well it sucks because you know the person's still inside they just can't get out. But, yes. Uh, yes. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I've had, we've yes. had it. I think everybody's had some contact with it. But you look at them and you know damn well that they know exactly what's going on, and it's frustrating as shit for them because they can't get it out. Yeah. 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 Super brutal. So absolutely no. Let's uh, definitely want to do some learning, and uh, we'll damn sure throw it to him for sure. Yeah. Sounds good. So to add, but to add to that, from a personal side, I like like my heroes, my leadhead brigade candidate is going to be like the policemen that I know personally and actually work with daily um, that are, that, that are like unsung heroes. Like these guys, the depth of their knowledge is bottomless and it is, it is unreal. You're getting a second on the motion. You shut your mouth over there. Uh, (laughs) That's my side check. Yeah. Uh, She's just seconding your motion. Yeah. The the depth of, of of knowledge that exists in, in everyday guys that, that you would just take for granted is enormous. And and these guys don't ever get enough enough recognition. So I'm going to recognize guys like Chris Palmer from 532 Insight and Dave Mason from MDT Tac- Tactical Creations. Uh did I just mistake that? Mod tech. Mod tech. Jesus God. She was correcting Dave, you. I mean, <laughs> Dave would be more than happy if you just give him another job to do because he doesn't have Dave, to, uh, I love you to death, and I'm sorry that I just misstated <laughs> your entire fucking deal. But Dave, remember um, I helped you out and pushed you through. <laughs> Dave Mason from ModTech. Like these guys, these are dudes that like Dave is not like a he he is not a, a like a law enforcement officer. Mm. He has no experience in that. But he is a goddamn special forces soldier and a and an sf sniper who has has decided and found value in immersing himself in the law enforcement side of things and that goes absolutely 100 percent to his level of humility his level of maturity and and his like open arms brotherly love for everybody who's who's in combat arms to one extent or another so it's okay. guys like that that I want to recognize and that I look up to as my heroes um, uh, because they're, they're, they're doing what, they, what, what they're supposed to do. Like they're, they're, they're recognizing different, different perspectives and different facets of their, of their own career and, re- and realizing that there, there's another side to this that, that they don't completely understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and those guys... Yeah, those guys are putting out, man. Well, I want to give some backstory to this though, because there's more to it than just that. And I got a, I got some other people I want to add at some point in time, and if we get to it, we'll get there. But uh, I want to take Dave, uh, for instance. Him and Jeff met at NTOA, uh, hit it off, fantastic, just great dude. 
Uh, I wasn't able to go for some stuff. Jeff comes home. He's like, hey, man, I met this guy. Uh, he wants to come and learn from us. And I'm like, well, who is this guy? He's like, oh, he's a special forces sniper. Friggin' been in there, done it, this and that. I'm like, what? Like, I appreciate it, but what are you <laughs> like? Where, where are we going with this? Right. And so uh, he literally came down from Colorado uh, to Arizona, drove like 15 hours in this little bitty car with like 7,000 pounds of kit uh, to show up out in the middle of the desert with us. Uh, this course that we run is out in the middle of the desert. Uh, did it all on his own dime. Uh, we offered him to come down here because he wanted to dumb himself down out of the military world and start from the basics and work his way back up through the ranks to be able to help his law enforcement community that he lives in. But it's like, like you said earlier, too. He was he had enough self awareness to know that what he did over there didn't translate to what happens here. Yes. And that yes. and that's and it's funny that we had our jack wagon train, the complete opposite of what our hero is. And it wasn't like we didn't just sit down and be like, Yep, let's pick both sides. I think it just worked that way. Yeah. But uh, you know, we've got a couple buddies there that way. Dave's one of them. Uh, another guy, a good buddy of ours out of the Marine Corps, uh, was Marine Scout Sniper. Same thing. He's uh, looking to transition out, wanting to give back to his community. Uh, same thing. He came out to us and spent his own time and his own money to get an understanding of the different world. And that's uh, Gerald Huey from the Marine Corps. Fantastic. Uh, instructor like when he speaks the world just shuts down everybody shuts up and listens you know and uh phenomenal guy but once again he's humble enough to understand they're not the same thing and he doesn't do it to be like look at me he does it to make other people's better mm -hmm. same th same thing with dave very good very good i Did like you those nominations other people's better Did i we might have to play that back. Can you delete that? If I did, maybe. I don't. I'm, just, I'm gonna let it play. I'm letting it play, baby. So, Here's yep. to other people's being better. There you other go. Other other yep. better peoples. <laughs> oh my god! Could you use demons? Uh, yuns. We say yuns in East Tennessee. That's like yuns. Ewans and Yuns, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a big corn oh. son, bitch. I make up words. It's fine. That's <laughs> all right. Yep. So there you I, go. Let's wrap up the uh, Jack Wagon Train and the Lead Force One. Uh, great, great segment there, guys. Appreciate you playing, playing with us, having fun. Enjoyed it. If you lead heads have nominations, email those to me, talkinglead.gmail.com. Put in the subject, uh, Lead Head Brigade Hero or Jack Wagon or both, if you're sending both in one email. Uh, we love getting those. We'll read them on the air. Uh, if I can, we'll try. I don't always get to them, but if I can, I will. Um, but we want to find out more about standing offhand, about what it is that you guys are specifically doing, the training that you're, you're offering and how you go about doing that. And you know, we kind of talked about the reasons why you wanted to get involved with this. So, um, Jeff, talk about how you how you originally got started with the the standing offhand, and I guess the the other one, the dead drift, was first. Yeah, the dead yeah. drift consulting. So yeah, dead drift consulting was was created because, I mean, if I'm perfectly honest, I wanted to transition out of the police specific, military specific, tactical uh, realm, and kind of highlight or 
or emphasize other things in our lives that we are all as policemen working towards in order to enjoy once we retire, right? Mm-hmm. So Dead Drift Consulting is really very much focused on, excuse me, things like uh, backpack hunting, bow hunting, uh, and fly fishing. And then because it's, because it's a level, because it's a, 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 um, a sort of a, a subject of my expertise, long range shooting as it applies to civilians in the hunting community. Sounds more like uh, a survivalist kind of, kind of deal. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be lumped into the survivalist group because I'm not burying 60 tons of fucking wheat in my backyard. Um, but you're living off st- the land, you're, you know, you're fishing, you're hunting, you're, yes, you know, yes. But I mean, I mean, to, 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 to address are- that, like, like currently worthwhile skills a, to have definitely absolutely but currently we're not in a nuclear winter kind of a underworld for kind of society it is still something that is recreational and something that we all do to one extent or another but we're closer to it than you realize i mean look at canada and their their truckers you know well, they've shut down their whole economy yeah, and they yeah. could do that here as well and you know you don't get yes trucks delivering stuff you don't get to go to the grocery store and buy your right tomatoes and your beef and your hot dogs and right Costco know. is completely sold out of toilet paper yeah and and I and I I, I recognize <laughs> that 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 condition does exist yeah so yeah dead drift consulting was 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 created in order to kind of open a channel for me to be able to share what it is that I do personally that refills my soul, that gives me a reset on life that allows me to enjoy the things that I enjoy, that I enjoy doing and what I plan to do like post retirement, because I think there is a, there is a, there's a vacuum within the police community community where dudes are so focused on what it takes to be successful and, get to the top of their game within their profession that they sacrifice everything else that they've ever thought of in their entire life. And I, I say this out of personal experience because I've done this for 20 fucking years. Like I've been a policeman for 34 ish, 33. Um, and I've lived through the sacrifice. When I look back on my life, I look at what I asked my wife and my children to accept well, I didn't even ask them. I demanded that they accept that, yeah. right? Because because my goals were at the very front of my brain, and that's really kind of all that mattered. And and for me, that's there's regret. There's regret that's in that in that equation. Sure. Like I, I can't I can't say that it was all worth it. Now, where I'm sitting today and what I'm doing with Tyler right now is absolutely rewarding and worthwhile. But at the same time, like my life priorities, like the things that I dreamt of and wanted to do as a 16 or 17 year old disappeared for two decades Mm. because I was, I was completely 100% focused on what I was trying to achieve professionally. And while there is value to that, I don't, I don't know at 54 years old that it was entirely worth it because I sacrificed a lot of stuff. But whoever does, I, you, you don't know, you know, 
Yes, Until I, I agree. Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> no, I, I and I completely agree with that. Yeah, but at the same time, if I am able to put these thoughts and put these uh, um, priorities in the minds of young policemen who are at a point in their career where I was, you know, 15 or 20 years ago sure, yeah. and make sure that, that, and, or try to, to encourage them <clears throat> to work towards a more balanced lifestyle than I'm doing my job. Yeah. And, and, you know, standing offhand exists to, to arm police snipers or policemen as a whole with uh, better skills, better knowledge, higher proficiency, all those, all of those things that matter professionally, it also exists to make sure that these guys are not neglecting all the other parts of their life that will exist far beyond their, their, their careers. So now how long have you been doing this? Of, oh, sorry. It's all right. When did you start? When did you start uh, dead drift? So dead drift consulting was incorporated as an LLC um, I want to say six years ago. So about six years ago. Uh, I, yeah, about yeah. six years ago. Um, and there was always kind of a component to Deadrift Consulting where I thought, well, I'm like I'm going to offer uh, training or con- or consulting services or whatever whatever was necessary to my police community, to the military community. But absolutely, those guys are. And, and I say this cautiously, those guys are secondary on the role mm-hmm. or, or in, in the list because um, I think policemen have been a neglected entity within our society for a while with regard to this specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so my focus is on policemen more than anything else. Um, but the company was was formed in order to maybe to try to make an attempt to share the passions that i have that have brought me peace mm-hmm. with policemen specifically is that with and the then, archery with the fly fishing and hunting, yes to that, all of that yeah okay yeah it, you know it depends on the group and who is interested um but this past may like i hosted a a fly fishing trip to Lee's Ferry, which is a tailwater that comes out of out of, out of Lake Powell on the Colorado River. It's it's a it's a fly well it's not a fly fishing only, but it's a it's a catch and release only fishing fishery mm-hmm. here in Arizona. And like you can't replicate that environment. I want to say anywhere else in the world, but I would be arrogant if I said that because I don't know if it exists anywhere else in the world. Sure. But where else Where else can you fish? But you know where for, it does exist. <laughs> it's right yeah, there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And and where else can you go where you can where you can stand on a boat and be and be surrounded by literally 1,000-foot cliffs that end in the water that there's where there's no other access to it except by boat? Like where I, – I don't know. Alaska. I don't know where that exists. Um, yeah, maybe Alaska, maybe in yeah. Greenland or Norway, I, I, whatever. Regardless, it's accessible to U.S. law enforcement. And I can do that at a discounted rate because I, I am, I'm, I'm friends with and have, 
have shaken hands with guys that guide on lease ferries. So, and they are behind this kind of a thing also. Yeah. So they are fully supportive of it. So I, I hosted a trip for, for a bunch of policemen like in May of, of 2021. And we went up there with my hope being that it would be a kind of a, kind of a life changing. Well, that's, that's a little bit too much. I don't want to say life changing uh, event, but I want to say life like pondering. maybe. Make them ponder wanna, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like a gut check for where they are in their lives, in their careers. And what is important? And what are you getting out of this that you can't get out of anything else? And it was very successful. Standing offhand became the, the offshoot or the leg of that. Mm-hmm. And th- this is why we kind of focus on not necessarily how tight of a group can you shoot at 100 yards, but also like what are you doing to complete the picture because a sniper is not a, like a sniper military or police is not a dude that can shut shoot the, like the tightest group. Like it's the dude that can combine, um, acceptable accuracy with field craft communications, um, the ability to work with a team and, uh, I don't know what, whatever else encompasses like the, 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 the sniper as a whole, like marksmanship doesn't make a sniper because I can teach marksmanship to anybody, anybody out there. I can't teach creativity. I can't teach, teach maturity and humility. I can't teach the ability to say no. I can't make that shot. I can't teach those things. Those are innate things, innate characteristics that apply to each individual. But you offer them the opportunity to find that out for themselves. Ab- yes, absolutely. And, that, and that, Through that's standing offhand. Yes. And that is, that is the foundation of standing offhand. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not necessarily like how do you shoot the tightest groups or make the best wind calls? <coughs> we all know that those are variable things that change literally second to second. Yeah. Um, it, it's more about who you are as a person, as a whole and who and and what you bring to the table as a package rather than just like the biathlete that go that can go to fucking Beijing why China is hosting the Olympics I have no idea <laughs> but they don't even have snow <laughs> no shit right it looks like a fucking canyon oh my god it looks this like is, okay. w- nuclear winter <laughs> yes. it it looks like a canyon in in southern Arizona that they just filled with snow what whatever anyways it, it's, uh, more, it's more about the <laughs> yeah, it's more about the person than it is about like that one singular individual skill because you cannot like there's no way that anybody military or police can can make an evaluation on who is a sniper and who is not based on one singular yeah so with your class skill with your class um they're bringing their own their own weapons their own kit their own gear their own yes. ammo Stuff that they use day in and day out, and yes. and you're teaching yeah. them on their own equipment. You're not saying, yes. "Hey, you need to bring a certain rifle, a certain ammo, a certain uh, whatever." No, absolutely not, because yeah. that's completely unrealistic, and it doesn't it doesn't the um, 
it doesn't dovetail into what they're dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah. Like so you're teaching if, them how to had, be better shooters with their existing equipment. Yes. Or maybe maybe that's where they decide that this isn't the equipment that I need. I need right. something no, ab- different. Absolutely. <laughs> those, like those are those are those are hard won lessons that we that we push in, in every course that we do. Um, yeah, there, there are there are absolutely better solutions to a problem. But if that's not what you have, and if that's not what your department is like willing to to provide for you, then you have to ma- you have to be able to maximize the equipment that you do have. Now you said that and, you gave some examples of people that have attended your class uh, in the past, and they did it on their own time, their own dime. Do you mm-hmm. get departments that that will send people there and fund it themselves uh, yes. for your course? And and unfortunately for for the sniper, regardless of whether you're military or law enforcement, like, like one of the, one of the banes of, of, of being in that sniper position is, Hey, you're going to have to spend your own fucking money and you're going to have to like use your own time. You're going to like, there is a sacrifice that you personally are going to have to make. And if you come into this position thinking that everything is going to be provided for you, then you're in the wrong fucking position. Yeah. Like that's, that's been a reality for snipers for a long time. And, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, like, like snipers have been the redheaded stepchild of every tactical team and every, every military, like infantry company for ground. God knows how long. <laughs> and it's expected. The expectations of you are that you're going to perform the job that they define rather than the job that is actual reality. And so that requires that you spend your own time and your own money and you put in your own effort because they're not going, because they're, they're not going to treat you as if you are at the top of the list, just like the point guy is on a stick for PD or yeah. the point guy is in. So I in got whatever. A, a question. And, and we'll get to listener questions in a minute, and this may be one of them. But you know, if if somebody is looking to to fill that position, you know, like you know, I want to be a a sniper on a SWAT team or a police department or whatever it is, how do they go about doing that? And what what characteristics or qualities do they need to possess to to take on that position? So, go, go ahead, Tyler. Um. I want somebody that wants to come in and know every job on the team. I don't want somebody that comes in and goes, all I want to do is be a sniper uh, because they're already looking in a bad position for me to do my job on my team. I have to know what my team leader's doing. I need to know what my breacher's doing. I need to know what my point guy is doing. And without knowing that I can't do my job. My job is based off of the rest of my team's job. The rest of my team's jobs based off of me. They rely on my information, giving it to them. To kind of take a step back to answer part of this question is, is we were, we've been the dumping ground for far too long. How do you take a guy that is going to give the best intel that he possibly can to the team leader when you're on overwatch on a barricaded server or on a uh, high risk search warrant, uh, say on a compound and you're deployed by yourself for two hours, but you don't even know what your team tactics are. Um, so in my opinion, I want somebody that's going to be, uh, humble enough to step on the team and start at the bottom and work their way to the top. 
Now, by no means am I saying that the sniper is the top of the team, but they're a very crucial piece. But to do that crucial piece, you have have to have an understanding of everybody else's job and an intimate uh, understanding of their job to do this side. Yes. Uh, when the point guy gets tired, another guy steps up and becomes point. When I get tired, they tell me, suck it up, and uh, we'll be done when we get done. So we don't have somebody to come back on. So I have to understand everybody's position through the entire process. Um, and it's not about shooting. I, I can really give two shits if you've ever shot a bolt gun before. I can give two shits if you're a decent shooter. I want you to be a, a on-your-feet thinker and a worker and a team player more than any. Uh, to be a sniper, you have to be the largest team player on the field, but you also have to be the person that's self-motivated uh, to keep yourself in the game because you don't have anybody else standing there to help mm -hmm. you out. Yep. What does it take um, as far as duty-wise? What are what are the duties of a sniper? What what as a sniper, what can I expect to be doing on the uh, team? You know, um, and each each agency is a little different. Uh, you know, I take. I can let Jeff talk about his agency. Phoenix PD sniping unit is much different than what mine is. Mm -hmm. I've done uh, blackout operations and moved into a 40-acre compound and had to do night vision ops for a mile and a half land nav uh, with helicopter overhead and full night vision and land nav for a mile and a half to get into places, uh, sneak in, gain intel. Um, I will tell you what it's not. 99% of it is intel. One Less than 1% is shooting. Um, but to say, to put it into terms of what is it, what do we do, varies so greatly by agency-specific needs. Um, I've been deployed at four or 500 yards out, and that's literally as close as I can get. Phoenix PD to deploy at 500 yards would be an exorbitant amount of space, right? So... Uh, it's a very agency-specific um, job set, and it changes. Uh, I live in a very rural area, and it's very easy for us to get into positions that are, you know, a compound that's out in the middle by itself. So the the abilities for us to do things vary so greatly. Yeah, and I would say that, like, for, for like, the typical – Police, police sniper, you can expect to be doing a ton of observation, a lot of reporting and communication. Um, Eyes for your team. Even, even the most like trivial thing that you might that you might think is is unimportant um, could could have a massive impact on the decisions that are being made because ultimately, like. The sh like Tyler said, the shooting part of it is is very minimal because rarely do we have like uh, instances or incidents where we're actually firing a live round at somebody. Our biggest value is in the fact that we are able to get into a position that other people aren't, and we have the tools in order to to observe and report things that other people can't. So. The, the 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 trivial details of whatever it is that I'm observing or Tyler or any any police sniper is observing may have, I can't say definitively can have, but may have a 
an impact on the decisions that are being made by the leadership that is directing the entire team. So our biggest value is in the, is in the fact that, or it, it is with the, our capability to get into a position that is unseen, able to report information that nobody else can see and have the ability to act on that information if we need to, like right now with surgical precision. So while the marksmanship, and this is why I, I, I seek out people specifically who have character traits that are, that, that are beyond or additional to their ability to operate a rifle like accurately, um, their ability to, to recognize a fact or, or a, an observation that means nothing to them, but may mean something to somebody else mm -hmm. um, is, is crucial. And their ability to be creative and retain their own personality as opposed to becoming a robot who needs to be told what to do. Uh, those things are like paramount to anything else that, that, that I can, I can think of. And are those things that you teach. So yes, course? yes, those are, those are teachable those are teachable subjects or teachable characteristics. Like mm -hmm. we can teach somebody to say, do you do you see the hinges on that door? Do you understand what it means that it's a pull or a push door? So it's opening out or it's opening in. Do you understand why that's important? Um, do you, do you, re are you, are you aware of, or do you recognize that a, like a light coming on a shadow crossing a window um, like the position of the, of the, of those like Venetian blinds, like the one behind me, right? Mm -hmm. The, the position of those blinds, do you understand how that effect can affect the outcome of this entire incident? Because if you don't, then we need to work. If you do, then good. Those are, those are details that are important to us. And those are details that are important to like the, the, team. the incident commander, who is making decisions based on what you're telling him because he, he, he can't see that shit, right? Like if, the, if these Venetian blinds behind me are open, then that makes a difference between as to whether or not like the assaulters can cross that window safely, yeah. right? Or how they need to um, cross it, yeah. <laughs> or how they need to cross it, absolutely. Or if, or if hinges on a door or a push or a pull, does that make a difference to your, to your breaching team? Well, absolutely it fucking does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the only way you know that is by is through either training, um, whether it's lecture like we're doing now, or it's physically doing it, or by being in that in that position and having to deal with that circumstance exactly. personally yourself. And this exactly. is why working your way up through the ranks in order to get to that sniper position, that's why that's so valuable because you've dealt with that. Like, do I need a freaking ram or do I need a heligan tool? Do I need a you know cutting? The importance uh, of it. Do I need a saw? Do we need to do we need to explosively breach this door? Like those knowing those things as a sniper become of the utmost importance because you now, the sniper, I am able to recognize what matters and what doesn't. The more details and, they can recognize and relay back. Yes. The better and, success. And, and yes. For my sergeant, lieutenant, commander, whomever is happens to be running that incident, 
like how valuable is that is that information? Well, it's it's like night and day, because if you got to send a breaching uh, an explosive breaching team up, that is vastly different than sending a dude up with a ram or a heligan, or both, right? Like yes, that is completely that's a that's a it completely it changes the dynamic of the entire incident. Um, changes manpower issues. It changes yes. It, it changes everything, yeah. and manpower is huge, right? So uh, on top just of off of our decision, yeah, off. So you're training not just the the actual rifle time, trigger time, shooting time. That's you guys are you're teaching this as well. Yes. In your courses. Yes. Okay. 100%. Okay. And that's a yes. big thing to me and Jeff. Me and Jeff uh literally of course we're going to teach you to shoot. That's obviously a good portion of that. But we talk consistently uh through the entire program about these traits and why they're important and what you need to have and why you need to have them um and for you to look inside yourself uh we have people come to the class every time and me and jeff will talk about it and say you know what that one right there is forced in this class uh he was the Mm -hmm. guy that got on the team and they didn't have a spot for him so he's now our problem right um (laughs) But we try and make it apparent to them and say, listen, you either need to figure this out or maybe this is not the right spot for you. Yeah. Right. And, you know, more than any other position, again, like I hesitate to use cliches because I feel like cliches are excuses for behavior. But (laughs) in order to to convey what I'm I'm trying to what I want to say is like like there's a cliche out there that says the job picks the man, not the other way around, right? Yep. Now, I don't know. I'm sure there are others, but whatever. We're talking about freaking sniper operations here. The job picks the man. So if if you are not cut out for this, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with that individual, right? It means that that this is not where your strengths lie. And when we teach these people or when we interview them or when we test them, for candidacy, like when we, when Phoenix SAU tests for, for new members for the team, they test for new members for the team, not for a position specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as a sniper, if I am involved in the testing process, I'm going to design my test station that they have to stop at, like throughout the entire process to try to determine who might be like, appropriate or who is somebody that I want to like watch for because you can watch these things. And again, like I said before, I'm evaluating the person, not the actual skill set. So if I'm watching somebody make specific decisions or decide that like, I'm not going to shoot that person, even though legally I can shoot that person, Mm -hmm. like, why did they do that? What was their thought process? And that gives me some insight into who they are, their personality, their character, their values that gives me some insight into who that person is and either either adds to or eliminates from my list of people that I want to look at to promote to the position of sniper when it becomes appropriate. Um, <clears throat> so it, it like the process is, is pretty fucking deep. Like I had a great time. I had a great time in my first year on the team when I was, I was CQB in through a house. I was breaching doors. I was negotiating. I was I was delivering gas. I was doing all these other other I was performing all these functions of other positions within the team. 
which unbeknownst to me, my sergeant specifically wanted to see that from me to make sure that I wasn't just, I'm, I'm a sniper and I'm nothing else. Right. He wanted to know that I was an all purpose animal mm -hmm. because to him, that was the most valuable person to put in, to, to have on his squad. And fucking a like that's the kind of thinking that that i want to not only work for but work with yeah well, it's like tyler said earlier it, it's the sniper needs to know everybody's position and the yes and Ideally, for the reasons yes. that you were talking about and being able to recognize it's like hey when i was doing this this bit of intel would have been nice to have had yes so yes, you know absolutely you know you've got yes. you've got more care and and thought into when you're yeah. surveilling you know they need to know because this. It, because they you know, know what it takes in order to set a Halligan tool. Right. You know how much time that takes, and the fact that it may not go ex exactly as planned. And you know that that once these guys enter the room, like the point and point cover guys, the first two in the stick, they're going to do this because yeah, this is this is this yeah. is protocol that we do. So knowing that allows me as a sniper to anticipate what they're going to do. And be able to cover threat areas that that are relevant to what they are doing, not what I am, not what not not from my perspective. Now, do you train well, entire teams, or are you just specifically the snipers? Snipers. Okay. Yeah. Just it's such it's and when you get into that type of training, it's it's very difficult to do because team tactics vary so greatly uh you know one team operates this way uh they, with the hall boss or they've mm -hmm. got you know an mm -hmm. intra team and an exit it, it's just too too deep into the woods um and to understand that is way too deep you know um and before we get off this i want to mention one more thing about something that is a big piece to me is when i watch for somebody new i want somebody that's willing to say no that's willing to uh step up and go nope not doing that, right? Uh, because that's somebody that's that's willing to understand that when they do, when they're capable of doing something, they'll do it. And when they're not, they'll flat tell you no. No matter mm -hmm. if it's a commander or a sergeant, uh, the chief, um, you don't see what I see, and I'm the one that's writing my name on this bullet or on this intel. So yeah. that's a big piece to this as well that I don't think we've hit on to this point mm -hmm. of of that is somebody that's willing to literally tell you. No, I ain't fucking doing it. You yeah. know, and then and then that's that's some maturity component. It is right, like it it really is because so much of what we do as as policemen, in a broad sense, and SWAT officers specifically, like we are all very ego driven. Okay, we're ego driven. We're a little bit arrogant. Um, sometimes a lot bit arrogant, <laughs> a lot, bit. And, but honestly, like to an extent that is a positive attribute. That is not, that's not a pejorative term to like, to like push someone down. That is, that is a positive attribute. You have to believe in your skills and have absolute trust in the men around you in order to successfully perform this function. Like you have yes. to do that because if you don't, if there's doubt, then you wind up being an, a liability and you're going to pause when you shouldn't fucking pause or you're going to not enter a room because you have doubt and fear. Now, both of those things, both of those attributes or characteristics of a human are valuable. Like fear keeps you alive, right? 100%. But 
at some point you have to be able to say, I'm fucking scared as hell, but I'm going to go anyway because that's my fucking job. And because other people are, are waiting or depending upon me to do that job so that they can be successful. It's a real, like it's a headbutting kind of a, it's a, it's a very, it's a headbutting kind of a, a situation to be in. And I want those people to have confidence. I don't want them to have arrogance. And that to me, that is a characteristic of maturity. Because if you look at a 21-year-old, I know what the fuck I was when I was 21 years old. <laughs> yeah. Right? Running around, the, the streets of, running around the streets of South Central Los Angeles thinking I was bulletproof. Like, that's fucking stupid. And I'm, I'm thankful that, that God himself protected me from getting killed. But now at the, at the, at the point where I'm, where I'm at, and where the point I've been at for quite a while, because I think I came to this realization a while ago, like... We can't be so arrogant that we think that we have we are the answer to everything, and to do so is foolish. So, the ability to say no, I cannot, is probably one of the hardest questions that any SWAT officer or the leadership of that team will ever face. Like it, <laughs> because I mean, if you look at why is why does SWAT exist in the first place, right? Why do why do special weapons and tactics teams? exist in the first place because because the equipment and tactics that the patrol officers had weren't able to handle yes because of training experience and equipment and tactics and all those other things like we need something specialized in order to solve this equation so as a SWAT officer you're being set up for you are the like the last decision like be like if you guys can't solve it then nobody can fucking solve it within reasonable expectations. Like we can't call in FBI HRT. Not that they're the end all be all of everything, because honestly, my faith in the FBI has dwindled significantly in the last two decades. But what? But you get where I'm going at, right? Like, 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 if we are the ultimate solution, if we are the solution to the city's problems, not only does that put like enormous not only does that require that you have the ability to say no, have the ability to say we can't solve this problem or we're going to risk everything in order to do it, but it also places upon your shoulders as a SWAT officer enormous expectations from your own leadership within the department, from the city as a whole, and from your community because there's nobody else to fucking call. Like, ask anybody in your community, in any community, if shit goes completely fucking sideways, what are you going to do? I'm going to call the police. Okay, they can't, they can't solve that problem. What are you going to do after that? Well, I hope they call the SWAT team. And that's where it ends. The conversation stops there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the pressure, the expectations that are on the shoulders of, of current, like, SWAT officers is, is something that most, like... 90 95% of of society cannot possibly understand unless they do it. And that's not an that's not me being egotistical or or Just making facts. an arrogant statement Just like facts. I'm special. Yes. Yeah. But that's the reality of things. Yeah. Like the reality is we have these three steps <clears throat> and once we get to step 3, what do we do then? Well, I don't I don't I don't fucking know. I don't know. Never made it right? to step 3. Why are let's, we here? Let's do this. Let's um 
Let's go to some listener questions now. Okay. I think we're yep. we probably covered some of them like this one, Sonic GTS one ninety seven. And I think we just went over this and covered it, but if there's anything else you want to add, what characteristics are you looking for in an individual to become an LE sniper? And what is expected of that individual on a personal team, uh, personal and team level? I think you went into pretty good detail on that already. But is there anything uh, else you want yeah, to add I to it? I think we did too. You know, the only thing I don't think we did is is you know their expectations, what they need to do. Um, shut the fuck up, and be a sponge. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I, I it really, and I'm not trying to be a dick, but um, it, me and Jeff both know guys that have huge amounts of experience outside of this law enforcement world, who have shot fuckers in their face plenty of times but they brought themselves to this world humbled themselves down just shut up and learned a new job and continued on i don't care if you're the guy with the most experience or no experience uh at some point in time you just got to shut up and listen and and suck it up learn everything that you possibly can and i think that's really the only piece that we really in my opinion that we really didn't catch on that end is the expectations of you is shut up and do okay i like that yeah yep this one comes from the last Lithuanian, and I think you guys, <laughs> I think you guys might have met him. Did you meet Jake uh, at Shot Show? Yeah, yeah, that's yes. Jake, Amy, Amy Winehouse. Yes. <laughs> what areas do gas guns, AR-10s, shine versus bolt guns? What are the pros and cons to each platform in an LE sniper application? <laughs> you know, in my in my opinion, I don't. In today's in today's age with technology the way it is, I don't give a shit what you shoot. Uh, to me, it's not about well, I shoot a gas gun or I shoot a bolt gun. I'm gonna tell you right now, me and Jeff cut our teeth on bolt guns. If I if you lay either one of them down in front of me, I'm gonna I'm gonna gravitate to a bolt gun. Mm-hmm. My reason is one, I cut my teeth on it. Two, it's a simplistic system with the least amount of moving parts. Now you take a guy that's cut his teeth on a on a gas gun, he's going to do the same thing. Well, it's semi-auto, follow shops are easier. It's this. I don't believe in today's society that one is better than another. I think it comes down to a personal preference. Now, if you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I'd have told you if you shoot a, a, a gas gun in our environment, you're completely wrong. Uh, technology has changed greatly, and I really don't see this huge this huge fight anymore of one or the other. I really think it comes down to team personal preference and what your team is comfortable with. Comfort builds confidence, right? If you got four old guy snipers on there and all they've ever shot the bulk gun and you try and stuff an AR-10 down their throat, world's going to change. Uh, so it comes down to being comfort comfortable on it and knowledgeable about it. Um, but today I really think that we've lost the ability to say an AR 10 doesn't have a viable, uh, position in our world because of technology changes. Yeah. And I, I would completely agree with that. Like, I think I would go even further back than 10 years. I yeah, would say, probably, I probably, uh, short stroke that. Yeah. I, I would say easily 15 or more where gas guns have proven to be as accurate as as the inherent accuracy that you find you would find in a in a bolt action i think part of the hesitation for guys like tyler and i i know for me specifically part of the hesitation to acknowledge or accept like the potential or the benefits of a gas gun were purely personal like maybe it was my own my own ego or my own 
arrogance or my own whatever, whatever negative characteristic you want to you want to stick in Jeff. Like, okay, I'm <coughs> I'm I'm okay with like owning owning that <coughs> and admitting to it. But as Tyler already stated, like like I I I learned how to do this job on a bolt gun. My first SWAT team uh, role as a sniper required that I brought a gun to the team in order to be a sniper. <laughs> like they didn't issue anything that would fulfill, you know, properly or 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 uh, capably fill the role of a sniper rifle. I had to bring that gun to the fight, like to 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 the position. If this is what you want to do, then this is what you got to bring. I was okay with that to an extent because it meant that I got to build the gun that I wanted and it was my gun. Now, regardless of the fact that if I got in a shooting with it, I was going to lose that fucker for months or years depending on the lawsuit. Um, but I, I, I will still, I still have like my first choice will always still be like a bolt, a bolt action rifle which is not taking anything away from the accurized gas guns that are out there. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the gap between like ultimate accuracy that is inherent to the platform has shrunken considerably between bolt action rifles and gas guns. Um, what it, what it boils down to is pretty much exactly what Tyler said. It, it is, it, it's a subjective question. It depends upon, what your needs are, what your team's needs are, and what you're willing to accept. So if you want the quick follow-up capability of a gas gun and the magazine capacity within a, within a law enforcement sniper role, and that's what you believe in, then that's what you should go with because that confidence translates directly into your personal uh, performance. Why not be proficient with both? <clears throat> well, absolutely, yes, yes, mm -hmm. completely. You could have and, the and best ha of both worlds here. Come on, and and I have we have, been. We have well, we have, have teams been. that half their team are semi-autos and half their teams are bolt guns. Yeah. So you know we have plenty of teams that fulfill both sides. Well, um, and within within Phoenix with within Phoenix itself, when I first joined the team, I was issued a bolt action sniper rifle and I was issued a semi-automatic gas operated 308 carbine. I was issued both of them. Now, how how much did I deploy? How many times did I deploy with the gas gun? Like <laughs> minimal. I could probably I could probably count the number of times on one hand, uh, because I believed in. I had faith in the bolt action rifle for almost all of my, sure, all of my deployment working career. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if a three hundred eight gas gun was appropriate, then at that moment. So was my five five six carbine. Like, is there is there is there any reason why a sniper can't deploy with a with a five five six gun? Absolutely not. It is entirely situationally dependent. Like, there are times when I would do that, and I I had the optics on that carbine that would allow me to operate as a sniper in that with that particular particular platform. So I don't think there are really any limitations on caliber or or operating system. I was going to say, and along Go those ahead. lines, because we've got several questions about uh, different calibers. 
We've yep. got one here, John Adams, a six millimeter arc. Uh, there was this oddball round. What was that, Tyler's? Uh, eight. The eight six black. Somebody asked mm-hmm. about the eight six mm-hmm. black. Six uh, five Creedmoor. Um, so what are your thoughts on all the different in, calibers here? You know, it's funny. We're literally in this fight. Uh, me and Jeff co-chair our subject matter expert committee for Arizona Tactical Office Association. So we get a ton of phone calls from agencies around the state about um, what about this round or why are we shooting a 308? Why are we this? You know what? Why are we, why are we not still shooting the 308? Tell me what is so bad with the 308 in our world. Tell me what has gone so catastrophic with the 308 in our world. Do I believe in the six, five? Absolutely. Uh, I'm currently running uh, Daniel Defense Pro 5 in 6.5 to try and build this data. But we have umpteen hundred years of data built on the 308. Uh, we've got how many rounds that are built to do certain jobs that we're asking them to do. Um, they're tried. They're true. They've been shot through barriers. Uh, I just I just shot an a individual with one three and a half, almost four years ago now, it worked perfectly. Two panes of glass, 12 feet inside the room, point A and point of impact. Um, it, it, we get too into the weeds, and I really think this is where the outside source comes in and, and starts bringing in, well, in my world, this is what we use. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the ballistic coefficient of 6.5 Creedmoor is absolutely freaking phenomenal. But we're also going from 168 grain average size bullet to, say, a 140, maybe even 147. Tell me the data of that round in um, in barriers. A 308 doesn't punch through the front of Circle K glass. Uh, you guys don't have Circle Ks out there, I don't yeah, think. But, yeah, uh, you're oh, Okay. Oh, you do? Okay, great. So 308s won't punch through that. What's a 6.5 going to do? It don't punch through it either. So it, we're really looking at at why. Instead of why, why should I be shooting a 6.5, why should I leave the 308? Um, believe you me, I have a six, five currently from Daniel defense that we are running to build that data, to, uh, give people those answers. We start looking at these eight, six black, uh, you know, we talked Never about heard of bit. it. What this, is the eight, six black? Yes. <laughs> so the eight, six black is a 300 blackout on crack. Uh, I love 300 blackout. terms. Yeah. I love the So blackout. it's a six, five Creedmoor case, uh, Neck down, stripped way down with the 338 Lapua bullet stuffed in the end of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, will that punch through around. Circle K? <laughs> No, uh, it's not. It's it's you're you're looking at like 24, 2,500 feet per second with like a two hundred grain bullet. Jeez. If a one sixty eight at twenty seven hundred is not punching through it, a fatter bullet it. going slower ain't going through it either, right? I'm not saying don't change. I'm not saying that we can't look at something else. What I'm saying is, is until you can build me the data <clears throat> that proves that it's going to outperform a round that we've used for seventy years or fifty years, whatever it's been. I I can't I can't as me say yep we're buying that and sending it down the road. Or the, you want to build the data or the three hundred wind mag. You know that's change. a that's a pretty uh, well used round uh, cartridge as well. The, the three hundred wind mag. Mm-hmm. Well, and here we have agencies here in the state that run it for a big bore gun. Um, my agency runs a fifty cal. Uh, we've been shot up, shot by one. Uh, we had one of our deputies vehicle, uh, be shot by a 50 BMG. Um, we fight different people here. 
to yeah. fight a 50, you fight it with a 50. Actually, I'd like to fight it with a 20 mil, but my agency <laughs> wouldn't quite back me on that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like, again, it's mission-specific also. So sure. the mission's going to determine the, the round that you use. Right. And, okay. it, you know, we'll kind of break it down. Why... We, what is so wrong with the 223 that uh, agencies are dropping it in droves for about a three to five year period and suddenly coming back to it to the 300 blackout? I think 300 blackout's a freaking fun gun. If I'm going to zip uh, four legged creatures out of a helicopter um, for sport fun on the weekend, right? Um, I don't think it does what I want it to do in the law enforcement realm. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it boils down to a couple other things here, too. Like, there's nothing wrong with a 6.5 Creedmoor, a 300 Blackout. Absolutely not. N- name your caliber, okay? There's nothing wrong with that ballistically in a vacuum, okay? Yes. Here's the point I want to make, too. Like, d- despite all of the mathematical and statistical advantages of going to another caliber what does the 308 do that that currently or what what can't does it the 308 do? do that you're currently facing i'm not necessarily a, like a proponent of the 308 as like the ultimate anything like i couldn't care less what the fuck you shoot but here's the other side of it what's the ammo availability of that how much is it going to cost you? What does it take in order to either convert what you have currently, what you're using currently to that caliber, or what does it take for you to build your team around that caliber from the ground up? Like two different circumstances, yeah. right? Like I'm, I'm converting, I want to transition from this to that, or I have the incredible opportunity to start from the ground up and build it from scratch. Okay. Two like awesome opportunities, but you cannot deny at least from like a logistical, a, 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 a price point and, a and a like who, like what government entered entity that has no idea what the fuck you do is going to buy off on all those three perspectives. Like what, what, what can you get away with? So, and what will do the most good? Mm-hmm. So, yes, the 308 is it an antiquated round? I don't think I would describe it as antiquated. No, I would describe it as massively backed up by fucking decades of data. Data, yeah. Okay, and within the police environment where we're dealing with, and I, I will be completely liberal about this. You want to deal with certainties in, inside of 400 yards. Okay, I'm going to give somebody over 200 yard, well, over 300 yards of, of, of leeway for the longest shot ever made by a police sniper. I'm going to give you over 100 yards of, of, of margin for error. So within 400 yards, what is the advantage of going, going to a different caliber? And what does that mean logistically with regard to cost analysis and sure and ability to 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 pre- pro or uh, acquire those rounds so you can do let me ask you this what is your preferred round 
So my personally, my preferred personally. round is the th- is the three hundred eight okay. because the three hundred eight can do ninety, literally ninety nine percent of what I needed to. Do. I was getting that. Yeah, that's kind of what yes. I was saying. What about you, Tyler? Same thing. Uh, you know what I've I've used it in live situations. I've shot just about every training environment that you could come up with, obviously within reason, right? Um, and it's performed. We've talked to people around the United States, and it's it's really hard to go away from when you're getting performance out of something that's there. That's tried true data. It's not it's not scientific data that some uh, you know MIT student out of college who's never even shot a gun writes some numbers down on paper. It tells you that's and it's boring. It's boring. It's boring as fuck, right? Like the three hundred eight is boring as fuck. Like who it, gives it's a not shit? Sexy. I like it. No, it's not. I like it. I love it. Yeah, I do too. I I love it. I've, and I I've and I dig four-legged creatures with it. Uh, it's it's an effective round, but we also have to dial it back to why we love it is because it fits the job we're asking it to do. Yes. Yeah. Completely. And I'm completely. I'm totally down with like the six five Creedmoor six five PRC three hundred PRC twenty eight oh. and thirty Nosler like. I'm totally down with using those rounds when it's appropriate, and for the dudes that are overseas that are that are whacking skinnies for a living. Like I'm, I'm completely down with that. I understand that the advantages of those outweigh anything else, and I, I, I totally understand that. But once again, to get back to the beginning of this entire conversation, <laughs> like we are, we are United States law enforcement officers dealing with or or confronting. U.S. citizens within our within our cities and our counties, our communities. Yeah, ninety ninety eight percent of the time. Yeah, U.S. Yes. citizens. And yeah. and you know when I was when maybe. I was overseas, maybe not that. Well, <laughs> when I was overseas, a target was defined as anybody who is on this fucking road. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like like that was the Little standard broader. I had to meet. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on the road, you are a fucking shootable target in no in in absolutely zero patch of land in the United States is that Have standard given that is that standard set. Not on the border? Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, well, okay, my bad. Well, my bad. That's three letter <laughs> federal government people. We don't really talk about that. All right, that's next, a, that yeah, that's a completely next question. Definition. Let's get, let's go to our next question. Bonafide breed, and he had a ton of questions. Um, and we talked you, about him earlier. He came up with some good stuff. Yeah, he had a lot of questions. Um, and I'll be remiss if I don't ask at least one. We'll probably get a couple in here. What is the furthest distant distance shot with and without a tripod? And I think he wants to know so, personally. Person, your personal. Uh. Uh, personal for me, the longest shot I've ever have uh, on in a training environment is two and a half miles. Uh, my furthest shot on a standing on a tripod is a mile. With uh, two and a half miles with a fifty BMG, and one mile standing was a six five Creedmoor. Yeah, and for me, like yeah. it's entirely been. I'm glad Tyler said in a training environment. Because I can't even think I can't even think of one instance where I would ever take a shot. No way. Not doing like it. at those like, kinds even of even on a four legged animal, not happening. Not even a fraction of that distance on a live human, but no. well, he honest, didn't specify he didn't specify 
target yeah. or yeah let's just assume it's so, a target so yeah target as defined by like the general broad term of not any, alive any anything yeah. you're trying to hit for for me it's been probably somewhere in the 11 or 1200 yard range okay. like it's it's with and that was with a 308 okay bolt yeah yes what's your preferred yeah. bolt action rifle daniel defense <laughs> So that's <laughs> it is now, isn't that's, it? That's a tricky question. It's a nice for me, one. It is. It is a for nice me, one. For me personally, it's it's my own personal Remington 700 that I built when I was when I was working for Fort Wayne, Indiana. That thing is a tack driver, has been for the last 21 years. Wow. Um, Have you done anything special to it? Anything specialized? Well, it was it was a custom rifle from the very beginning. Because like I mentioned at the beginning of this, I had to build this rifle in order to be a sniper on the team. Mm. So I built it the way that I wanted it to be nice. built. So it's an off-the-shelf, like literally it was like the action was hanging on a hook at a at <clears throat> it pains me that I can't remember the name of the place. Oh, Sinclair International. Oh, so okay. in Sinclair International, which is now owned by 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 Brownells, which Brownells. Is, Sinclair <laughs> International was was a local was a local store or company in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I used to go down there for all kinds of stuff. The action that this rifle was built off of was lit was a used action hanging on a hook on a pegboard in their in their showroom, and I built that rifle, and I I had GA precision accurized the shit out of the action. I put an Obermeyer barrel on it, which is probably an unknown name to a lot of fucking people now, which is sick. Right. And I, and I stuck it in a prototype Macmillan A5 stock, which I had a hand in developing with Macmillan. Uh, and that thing shoots knots all day long. But that damn rifle is, is an absolute attack driver. You still shoot but, but that doesn't mean that the Daniel Defense Delta Five Pro can't do that, or the or the Accuracy International actions can't do that, or any like name your yeah whatever name your brand yeah defiance sure. it doesn't yeah. matter a yeah. thousand yards is nothing for anybody anymore these days yeah it's kind of yes. like it's yes. kind of like the uh, one minute mile you know, mm. or the two minute yes. mile kind of thing yeah. people keep yeah. getting closer and closer to getting a one minute mile you know it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next question. Uh, and this kind of, we're going to do a re rewind back to the jack wagon train. Corey Brown says, my jack wagon is the NFA. It's been three days since I ordered my suppressor, and I can't take <laughs> it home yet. And I, <laughs> Hey, dude, I, I've had mine for a, a year now, and it's and yeah. it's yeah, still I'm, in jail. I'm approaching nine months on my last uh, <laughs> NFA. Uh, love them. Uh, I'm 12 you, months, If anybody's man. out there and hearing this, can you bump us up just a little bit? <laughs> like... They may, may, they may probably should have said that. They'll probably make you longer, make you wait longer. Yeah. Uh, it says his hero it is, uh, is my wife for letting me order another suppressor. There you go. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I would buy her some flowers or take her to a really nice. Nothing wrong with that. My wife Del is Monaco's my hero in too. Las Vegas. Uh, I would do yeah, some unmentionables. I would do some unmentionables to her. Uh, yeah, another jack wagon, he says, would be Justin Trudeau, which we talked about. Maybe ask, <laughs> yep. ask the guys what they think of the Canadian police following these ridiculous orders. 
Man, it's, it's uh, you know, we talked about it a bunch, man. We actually have a class in our academy, and it's uh, called Lessons of the Holocaust. Um, it's from our county attorney that literally comes in and teaches this class to be like, listen, uh, you, you can't be power of the state to a certain degree, right? Uh, so it's a little tough, man. I, I get it. I, I signed up to uh, stand by the laws of the state of Arizona and the laws of the United States. But at some point in time, you have to look at this objectively. But a mandate you know is not a law. No, it's not a law. And a I mandate is not a law. Shit, because you're not going to mandate me to do it. So uh, I think it's horseshit. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. We go back to that thing. We look at somebody to be able to tell you no to do our job. But there's a whole lot of fucking yes men that do this because uh, the top is like, hey man, you do me. I'll, I'll help you get to the next level. And it's bullshit. Yeah. And man, this this. Man, that is a deep question. Like you could, we could, we could go down do that another another show on that. Yeah, for another two fucking hours, right? Because this speaks directly to like every individual's moral and ethical beliefs. Yep. Like holy shit, I'll tell you right now. If my chief told me you shall do this, like I, I will set my badge on that on that table like yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm not no. going to. There's or, a bigger picture. Or just here. say okay and go out and just like you know Tyler I and I was talking earlier. Uh, he came to Nashville, and I think he said when they came, they had the the mask mandates. But he said nobody's wearing the mask and nobody was enforcing it. They just had the signs everywhere. I was like, well, that's because you know the law enforcement here are of that mindset. They're like, this is stupid. I'm not going to enforce it. Uh, yep. So. Well, let me, and let me let me throw this out there too. Like, our our hiring unit, like the unit that is responsible for for hiring new candidates to come to the to the cat to the police academy, they did a thing where they went to the state of Ohio. I don't know where the fuck they went. I don't know where they, whether they went to like a county fair or to a university. I have no idea. Regardless, they went to Ohio and they recruited thirty seven. I'm going to be careful about this. 37-ish, <laughs> uh, like applicants that wanted that that expressed a desire and filled out an application to laterally transfer to the Phoenix Police Department, which is what I did. I I laterally transferred to the Phoenix PD to Phoenix PD. They they filled out that application. They signed the shit and whatever else, and then our city government said. You sh- like every city employee shall be vaccinated and whatever else following the bullshit lemming trail to the fucking cliff that the U.S. government is 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 pushing. Yeah. Every single one of those applicants pulled their application because of that. Yep. Good for them. And I can't. Yeah, absolutely. Good 100%. for them. Now the government's nothing, supposed to start re- their discharges with the military now for people who aren't um, getting yes. vaccinated, right? They're, yeah, they're I have hundred percent. Like, like su- I, I support that a hundred percent, and believe absolutely and think that is the right decision, despite the fact that it affects me personally. Because, well, guys I don't agree. I, I don't agree with, with them discharging them because because they're not getting the vaccination. I, I wholeheartedly yeah. disagree and, with that, and, but I stand behind them for not doing it. But yes, what good does that do? Because then they get discharged, then they don't have a paycheck, they don't have a job. 
They'd probably get dishonorably discharged. I don't know how they would do that, uh, go about doing it. Buddy but, might say they said it's less than honorable and that you yeah, can change it like, within the first year. Yeah, it's that other than honorable discharge that you yeah. can that you can like appeal, appeal. and change. Yeah, but but it's, will they? it's another it's another step that every one of those single every every single one of those guys should never have to go through. No, no, fuck no, nope, absolutely not. All right, let's move on. So, do you guys have access to social media right now? Facebook, yes. Instagram. Yes. So, I want you to go to that post that I did, and I want you to go through. <laughs> there's Instagram and Facebook. I've got it on both. Go, go to my Facebook yep. page, Talking Lead. Go to my mm-hmm. um, Instagram page, and go I'm through there. And log off. I'm gonna let Jeff do it because I'm on my phone. <laughs> Okay. So I'm going to screw this up and we know how So Jeff, you pick one, you pick one for um um Tyler to to field and then you field okay. one too. But just go through okay. there and look at one that you'd really like to answer. Something easy. <laughs> 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 All right. This is not stump the sniper. You're right. Yeah, no shit, huh? Okay, so I'm looking through it right now. Okay. And I'm going to ask you this one's for Tyler. <clears throat> we already covered Sonic GT underscore S197. So yeah, we did that one already. Thanks, bro. You got some good questions, but I'm gonna pass you up. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your prefer? Oh, never mind. Okay, here we go. Brett dot Bedow B E D D O W. What is the process to develop a good dope sheet for your rifle? yardage and wind holds oh i mean that's a that's a pretty deep question it could go pretty long-winded let's keep it short Um, short and sweet all right cool we'll save the long one for another Uh, episode you you know what seriously the best dope sheet that you can do is literally shoot every freaking yard that you could possibly Mm -hmm. do because i don't give a shit what a calculator says i still have to incorporate what my scope does, what that actual rifle's doing, what uh, I'm doing. So to actually build the absolute best sheet that you, the uh, your sheet that you can do, is go out, put yourself in that environment, and shoot every yard line. Uh, we run a class, our intermediate school. Uh, we make our shooters belly shoot the entire first day, and we shoot yardages from a hundred to a thousand yards uh, at. Uh, 300 yards, we start doing 50-yard increments, and after 400, we shoot 25-yard increments all the way out to damn near 1,000 yards. By the end of that day, if you have no idea what you're gun shooting, you are wrong. Uh, there's no better truing. There's no better dope sheet than to physically put rounds on target and calculate that. Well, that's due diligence, right? That's our yes. our responsibility. Yes. And, and like when it I comes think- down to it, if if your wife is being held hostage and you're at 475 yards, you expect that fucking sniper to know how to make that shot. So if we're not doing it, then in my mind, it's negligent. Like, you're negligent. (laughs) What the fuck are you for? You know who else is negligent? (laughs) Me. Because I did not record the video. (laughs) I wasn't recording the video this whole fucking time. Because I started recording it, and then we had all those issues, and I stopped. And I forgot to. I mean, luckily I'm doing the audio, so we got the audio, which is the main, the main thing. I'm okay with that. That's the main thing. But uh, I just now started recording the uh, 
the video. So the video. I didn't get that damn Alec Baldwin video on there. So. Oh, good. So I'm now, now I'm like four or five whiskeys in, and, and I've got that Asian flesh thing going. So thanks, bro. Yeah. That's what he was waiting for, actually. Yeah. Just timing. The timing was everything. No, but like to speak exactly to Tyler's point, like – like that's your responsibility. If that's if this is the job you want to do, then you are like we're like we are going to hold you accountable to that because that's your fucking job. Right. Like that's your job. Yeah. I don't right? want you to be. I don't want you to be lazy. And uh, now, don't get me wrong. We're gonna chrono guns. I'm gonna put the atmospherics in. We're gonna use a ballistic calculator because all that's going to do is give me a try dope, right? A, a, a wild ass guess for a fucking lack of better terms, right? But until I physically shoot it with the scope that I've chosen, actually dialing dope into the scope, putting myself in that environment, pressing the trigger, and ensuring that I can hold groups at that distance, I, I don't have a, a dope card. I've got something that a computer yeah. kicked out that should work, and it don't. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm going to add this to this conversation because this is an opportunity that I was, I was, ho I was hoping that I would have to, ha to have to, to, to say <clears throat> every, every sniper on the planet, military or law enforcement wants to shoot their rifle that every sniper on the planet since the beginning of time wants to utilize that weapon in the manner that they have been trained to use it and it's not about it's not about killing a guy it's not about shooting a human it's not about anything other than validating every single thing you've done for your entire career up to that point right 100% US Olympic athletes like the olympic stage is not the end all be all that proves that they are the greatest in the world but it is a world stage and it is an opportunity to show what they've done, what they've sacrificed, how much effort they've put into it. All of these things on a world stage, there are bigger titles than like I won the Olympic giant slalom in skiing, right? <clears throat> Every single, this is, this is akin to that. Every single sniper wants to do that. And it's not about killing. It's about validating the goddamn countless hours, the, thousands of dollars home. that they've put into training all the sacrifices that they've asked their wife and their children to make all the selfishness that was that was like 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 uh rationalized into existence and i use the word rationalized for mm -hmm. a reason right yeah mm -hmm. all of that shit leads up to that one single moment and that one moment that you actually get to perform the job that you've been training for validates everything as long as it works out okay if you shoot the wrong person you're going down a hole that you may not recover from recover from and yeah. and i've seen that before too if you make a bad decision the point is the amount of like i as a as a human being i as an individual have poured into this into this specific profession like i can't even quantify it it's not i i cannot put a dollar amount on it or a, a value on it or anything. All I know is it is it's a feeling and it's something that I've been like from my heart and my soul has driven me to to get to the point where I'm at. And 
not being able to do that is a really that's a gigantic fucking pill to swallow. Yeah. So, but maybe that kinda, do you think that's why you started the training also is to is to pass on and and maybe that validation in another way you're expressing it in another way by the by the yes. teaching and and passing it yes. on. Yes. Yeah. Yes, completely. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of too why we started is that. Uh, both me and Jeff have a we will flat disagree with each other in class, but we'll still get to the same answer. And that's OK. But we started this because we've both been to classes for years uh, together a lot of the times, actually. And we had done it in a class and I'm like, that class was for the instructor. That class wasn't for the student. Uh, me and Jeff have a believing that it's not about me. It's about you. And we want to ensure that you get the information to employ. It's not about look at me. Yeah, uh, you know we're not the wearing cry pants uh, to training. I don't give a fuck how I look. I wear blue jeans and a t-shirt most of the time to sniper school because I, I don't have to wear five hundred dollar pants to tell you I can shoot a gun and help you shoot a gun better. You know what I mean? So we literally started the program because we saw a need for something different and something to actually be there to give the student and not just a shooting class. It's a full, it's a full functioning uh, class from team side all the way to pressing the trigger. Where are you getting $500 pants? Cry, cry <laughs> precision. I don't own any. Never will. They sell $500 uh, pair of pants at cry. Jesus. Yeah. I thought Catanica yeah. was experience, uh, expensive. It, 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 it's from it's from the companies whose sole focus is is winning a, winning a government contract. Looking yes. good. Yeah. Shoot I, good. Look good. Look good. Shoot good. Is that is that how it goes? Well, yeah. I'm not going to deny that. Like you should fucking look good when you're shooting. <laughs> I mean, if you see my beard, for Christ's sakes, that I mean that just looks good itself. Pick another one. <laughs> and it's small now. Jeff, pick another one. Pick one for you. Okay, so one of the one of the questions that stood out for me for for me was from a dude who his name is Bonafide underscore breed. Yeah. And and his question is, what do you think is the biggest misconception of a sniper? And I'm going to answer this. Well, let's do this. Now it's time, time for the talking lad facts, facts to fight the myths, the myths with Jeff <laughs> Chang. Good. Yeah. That works. <laughs> Yeah, so my fact to fight the myth, and I'm going to answer this mostly obviously, well, maybe not obviously. I'm going to answer this from a law enforcement perspective. And one of the biggest misconceptions of the law enforcement, of a police sniper, is the fact that, that this is an easy game in the, in the world of sniping. Because, honestly, when, I, when I'm on the roof of one house and I'm looking across the street at the front of another house, I'm inside 40 yards, like 40 fucking yards. Like a lot of dudes can do that with a handgun. Okay. Well, here's, here's the problem that I have with that. This is not a fucking easy job, regardless of range. Like range is, is, is one of the factors. Absolutely. I don't have to account for wind at 40 yards or inside 40 yards, but like I do like, that quarter minute adjustment on my scope actually has a consequence to it, right? It's not the fact that, well, I hit him in the tip of the nose when I was aiming for the bridge of his nose. You know what? That tip of his nose could be the difference between striking a hostage in front of him 
as opposing to as opposed to striking the actual hostage taker. So and that's just that's just the physical like surface understanding of the entire thing. One of the hardest deployments I ever had in my entire like military or police was sitting on top of a parking structure looking at a like a U- a US veteran sitting inside his car literally with a with a gun under ah, his chin. Jeez. In the VA parking lot at the hospital looking for help. Man. Like that is I, I, and I I was inside 50 yards of that guy. And if you think about what that means, <clears throat> like I could see every movement on that man's face. Unimaginable. I could see the emotion in his in in his expression. I, I literally watched him make the decision. Like I literally watched him make the fucking decision whether or not to shoot himself. And like, thank God that he, thank God that he took that barrel out from under his chin and set the gun on the dashboard of his car. Yeah, man. But, but like uh, I wasn't in that guy's brain and that decision, the decision that he made not that I made the decision that he made in that moment was, I don't even know how to like, you can't measure that. There's no time scale. Like he was X number of milliseconds from doing this, or he was like, whatever. I cannot even put that in perspective in terms of time. But I watched him do it. Like I understand. I, I've been, I've I've been in a ditch, in the cold and mud, looking at an Iraqi citizen on the shoulder of the road of MSR Tampa, just south of, just south of Baghdad. I've looked at him. I've quartered him with my freaking reticle at, you know, 350 yards, whatever it was. Like, minute of man as a target, that's a chip shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I can be completely off on my fucking wind call and I'll still hit him. And it, and it really wouldn't have mattered if I hit him in the shoulder or if I hit him in the heart. Like, he's still out of the fight. Like, mission accomplished. Okay? But this guy, he was 60-ish years old sitting in his car in the driver's seat in the fucking parking lot of the veterans administration hospital, like in the hospital, not the side of a street, not some home Depot fucking parking lot at the fucking hospital where he's supposed to go to get for help. help. Yeah. <clears throat> Which he and probably that, obviously wasn't getting. I, 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 I didn't do that once. I've done it twice <clears throat> at the same hospital. 
I mean, you know, and you don't see stats like that. They don't give you stats like that, you know. Absolutely not. And those stories no. you don't hear about. And when you know when I re- when I reenlisted in the Marine Corps in two thousand four, like with zero obligation, coming from off contract back into back into the Marine Corps as a staff NCO, I was a gunnery sergeant. Like, there's even more questions when you try to reenlist off contract as a staff NCO. Like, why the fuck did you leave in the first place, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> like, I didn't reenlist because I wanted to save a nation. Or because I wanted to free a people, I reenlisted because I wanted to. I wanted to contribute to the survival of my Marines. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's selfish. As as a as a as a person individually and as a nation, as a representative of a nation, that's fucking selfish. But you hear that story over and over and over again. Yes, is is I mean, I'm not here for my country. I'm not here for. I'm here for my brother. I'm here for the guy yes. next to me. That's yes. that's why I do it. Yes, and, and it didn't it over matter. And over again. I mean, I was fortunate when George W. was was president when I reenlisted because he was somebody that I I supported. Helps and when you in. got yeah. Helps when you got a leader that uh, you you believe in definitely. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was easy for me to believe in regardless of of whether he used the word like strategery. <laughs> <laughs> like That's my people, you leave him alone. Yeah, like, like, regardless of the, of that fact, I still would have done it if freaking Bill Clinton were president, yeah, or Barack Obama, neither of which who I supported, like, like, both of those people. I, it, it's not about it's not about that specific person. It's about the Marines that I've served alongside and I've 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 become personal friends with, and I mean, like Tyler knows just as well as I do. Like, it's not. I say Marines as like a big broad stroke fucking group. Like we're all brothers regardless. Anyways, um, you know, the Iraqi on the side of Tampa that I, I was looking at on that particular day, like he was a nobody. And I honestly, like if he lived or died, didn't affect me at all. The veteran that I saw in that parking lot, whether he lived or died, like honestly, Touch to the end of the day. It, it, it wouldn't. I mean, personally, it wouldn't affect me. Well, from a surface perspective, it wouldn't affect me whether he lived or died because I didn't know him either. But the difference maker is, he's a fucking veteran. Just like, it's <clears throat> like you, it's like me, and yes. it does matter. Yeah, the fact that a lot because that twenty two that could be me sitting there twenty two a day take their life. Yes. Right. So regardless of range, whether it's 37 yards or 468 yards, like there's a, there's a, there's a difference there. There's a difference between people from literally on the other side of the world and my own citizens who I'm dedicated, who I've dedicated my entire adult life to, to protecting like that's the difference. Like, I don't care. I don't give a fuck who you voted for or what your sexual preference is or what pronouns you fucking use. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. If you are a U.S. citizen, that fucking matters. That matters. Oh, then that gets me off on this Olympics, too, where we got these U.S. citizens that uh, are competing for China. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Stay there. Just it live under that roof. Frustrates me to no end. All right, but last, if we get we got one more question. We're gonna do one more question, and then I want you to go through uh, Facebook, Instagram, and I want you to pick who our winner's gonna be of the Seal One CLP <laughs> cleaning package. Jeff, since Tyler doesn't have his I'm screwing social off media, but the question comes from Ryan Johnson. It says, "I was wondering." What must-have features and magnifications do you look for in a scope? <laughs> also, do you use a bipod or bags in the field? Yes. No. Uh, <laughs> so we're laughing because literally uh, we've been having this conversation with some of our uh, uh, companions in this world uh, recently. And okay. I'm going to tell you right now that this is this is a big thing with me and Jeff. And so it's funny that this, that this question come up. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to name a company name. And I'm going <laughs> to give you the exact scope because I believe in it to that, that point. Okay. Um, and that's fine. I literally want the lowest magnification, largest field of view that I could possibly have in a second focal plane scope. Today's standard, the best thing that me and Jeff have found on the market is the Night Force NX8, two and a half to 20. Uh, my team's currently running them. Uh, we're seeing them change over in droves, right? Uh, think about it. Me and Jeff just talked about it through the show. Our standard, the my my police engagement, actually law enforcement engagement on an individual is 62 yards. I've averaged about 80 yards, but I live in a different environment. On the daily in a city environment, you're 40, 40 to 50 yards off the front door of a house. Why in the Christ are we listening to military snipers and buying 5 to 25 by 56 um, attackers? with a uh, first focal plane scope when it's on five power, you can't even see the crosshair. <laughs> right. So literally I want a minute of angle scope because we still do American fucking math. The last time I checked. So let's keep one to one in our standard and let's put it in a second focal plane scope that I don't give a shit what environment are. You can see the two by four in the reticle and have the ability to run from a extreme low power and have the ability to burn through cover concealment and look deep inside of a house to gain intel for the team. I don't need high power to make a shot. Matter of fact, it, it's counterintuitive. The higher you turn the power on, the more it looks like you move. You're not moving any more or any less. But people are like, well, I don't get it. Turn the power up. It's a magnifying glass, you dipshit. I need the absolute best and most vision that I could possibly get. Today's standard, what we found, uh, mine and Jeff's belief is hands down the Night Force NX8, two and a half to 20. So you speak for Jeff. Point. And I, I, I do. Okay. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with that. And I will, I will add this to it. Like, I have zero issue with a mill dot, um, a mill mill reticle. Absolutely not. Or, no. or mill mill scope, reticle and turret. I, I have zero issue with that. Love them. <clears throat> um, the reason why, and I have zero issue with the first focal plane reticle outside of anything outside of like modern, like urban police sniper uh, needs. Exactly. Like I draw a distinction between myself and Tyler because for me in the city of Phoenix, 
like literally everything we do is urban and it's in a, a like a like a built up area that is that we, we like if it it is extremely rare that we'll find ourselves out in the open desert for Tyler it's 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 different like his entire city is a fraction of the size of Phoenix and it includes incorporated areas that are outside of his city that can go hundreds of yards so i i don't necessarily have a have a problem with with first focal plane reticles except for the fact that for those of us that are in cities like Phoenix where we're dealing with <clears throat> everything and I'll be generous everything inside of 150 yards because there are times when I have looked at at positions or or in, been on incidents or or uh like hindsight 2020 judged my own deployment I can see where like, yeah, I should have been here rather than there, mm -hmm. but that would have pushed me to 135 yards. Um, I know that Tyler, Tyler mentioned this already and I'll just kind of build upon that. The sec I, we believe that the second focal plane reticle is the most appropriate reticle in a police in a, in a, like a metropolitan police sniper scope or rifle scope for a sniper rifle because honestly like you can you can go through the process and go through the math of determining your your come ups or your holdovers from 100 to call it 15 yards you can do that i mean knock yourself out mm -hmm. but the actual physical like deviation from 100 to 15 yards is a matter of maybe an inch and a quarter inch and a half right <clears throat> so not to contradict myself while i already said that that quarter inch from tip of the nose to bridge on the nose can make a difference in those in in that specific situation what i'm saying now is Yes, that still matters, and yes, you should know it. But for me personally, if I have a hundred yard zero on my gun and I find my de myself deployed at thirty five yards, I'm going to spin that freaking turret to my fifty yard zero, and that's it. I'm calling it good. So, with with that being with that being my personal practice and my belief, does it matter whether or not? I have a, a first focal plane reticle. Well, fuck no, it doesn't. <laughs> because if I'm aiming for if I'm aiming for that fucker's left eye, and I need to hold on his eyebrow, I don't need a fucking I don't need a fucking turret to do that. Yeah. And the second focal plane allows me to see my aiming point precisely, regardless of power. <laughs> okay. There is an there absolutely is an applicant. There absolutely is an application for a first focal plane reticle. And when I was overseas, I would not choose anything different. Nope. Okay. That's absolutely what I'm, what I want to have and mm -hmm. what is going to be necessary and most applicable to my, to my environment. Good example of LE versus <clears throat> yes, military training, different equipment, but, different everything. Yeah. But as a, as, as a police sniper, being able to see 
without a doubt, 100%, the intersection of that vertical and stadia and, and vertical and horizontal stadia lines under bullshit fucking conditions. And by that, I mean, like, it's, it's 2 a.m. Everything is dark except for the dining room light inside the house and the lights illuminating the pool in the backyard. If you've never seen that through a rifle scope at, at let's call it three and a half power, right? Because three and a half is a common minimum for a lot of freaking rifle scopes. If you've never seen that at three and a half power in a first focal plane reticle at, at 47 yards, then you don't, you you have no idea you have no you have you have no basis from which to say this this reticle is better than that one well, because I point. have good and point. I've seen well, it and I've used I've used the very top of the reticle on the vertical stadium line and I've used the very right edge of the reticle on the horizontal line and interpolated those two connection points in order to find my aiming point on a bad guy who's standing in the dark backlit by the by the by the light inside the house and partially illuminated not really by the pool lights i've had to i've had to find that intersection based on these two points in order to find my aim point to 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 shoot that guy <laughs> that's and, that's and a, a, that's fucking ridiculous well here's a, here's another backer <laughs> off of where me and jeff think of this we literally just sat down with night force at shot show what three weeks ago and said, hey, here's what we're looking for. Here's why we want it. Thanks for building it. Went through this entire spiel with them. And they said, do you realize how many Night Force Attacker, 5 to 25, 7 to whatever, Jesus Christ, look at the moon scope that we send out in first focal plane. <laughs> and six months later, the agency calls back and says, these don't work. We need a second focal plane scope. Yeah. This is from Nightforce, who receives the calls back from these agencies that get this misinformation from a law enforcement sniper. Half the scopes in my safe currently are first focal plane scopes, but I'm not using using them mission specific law enforcement, and that's where we forget and we buy scopes that are specific for a different need right. and try and force them into the application that we're asking them to do, and they and fail never to perform. And never mind just three weeks ago at the SHOT Show, I had that conversation with Todd Litt at Night Force literally seven literally. or eight years ago. Years ago, yes. Seven or eight years ago, he was telling me the same thing. Yeah. So-and-so agency bought these freaking scopes. They put first focal plane H59 reticles in them. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I'm just throwing that, num- that, that, that thing out there. That reticle, they bought yeah. these first focal plane H59s, and six months later, they were literally calling us saying, can we trade these back in for second focal plane minute of angle scopes? So I don't, I don't, I don't there's know. your answer. <laughs> yep. So yep. did you go through and pick a winner? Did you get us a winner? Who's our winner? I don't winner? know, man. I think that that dude specifically is uh pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's a good question. So that last uh, one that I'll we just you. did. Yeah. Ryan, whatever his name was. Ryan Johnson. I was wondering what must uh, have features and magnifications you look for in a scope. So there we go. Yes, there it is. I think I think he's a he's a solid candidate. Okay, there we go. So Ryan, you are the winner of the CL1 CLP complete uh, cleaning kit here, 
And uh, well, if well you let me know Ryan. what caliber that you shoot with your rifle, I make sure that the uh, the pads that he's got in there will match your caliber uh, for that. So shoot me an email, Don't talking lead. Yes, uh, send me an email, talkingletgmail.com. Let me know that you won. Let me know what you won. Uh, and then, of course, your contact info. We'll forward that on to Dwight over at Seal One, and you'll get that. And, guys, I want to send you some of this also. So I'll get oh, your, wow, awesome. I'll get your addresses um, when we get off here. Make sure you get some Thanks, of this man. too. Try it out. Dwight would definitely want to get this in your hands. So, yep, guys, this is a great show. Uh, I apologize again to our listeners, to you guys, because I boned up on the video. <laughs> we got we got thirty minutes, almost thirty minutes of video here to go along with our two and a half hour conversation. <laughs> so, good, good. Um. <laughs> I told you, man, I don't put a limit on it. As long as the, the information is coming and we're flowing, and you guys were flowing, baby, I, I love it. Uh, this has been great. I learned a lot listening to you. So, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on. I would love to have you on again because I think there's a whole lot more we could talk about. You know, we get get a whole lot more inf- you, information out of you guys. Back. Yes. Yeah, I, have, I, I, I would be happy to join you again. With this absolutely has – you nailed it. This has been a good conversation. And I'm glad we were, we had. Thank you for the opportunity for allowing us to get this this kind of this kind of discussion out there. Yeah, I think our our LE community that listens will definitely find this useful, and you're probably going to get a lot of calls from them. So, how can they get in touch with you? So we have uh, I neither of us participate in Facebook specifically, okay. even though Instagram, goddamn it, owns Facebook. <laughs> That <laughs> drives me fucking crazy. Uh, Monopoly. Neither of us really, really have a presence on Facebook, but Instagram is at standing underscore offhand. Uh, that that is that is an easy way to get a hold of us. Both of us have email addresses: Jeff at standingoffhand.com or Tyler at standingoffhand.com. Um, we have a very, very good. Uh, personal relationship with Daniel defense. So, uh, I hesitate to say that we are sponsored by, by Daniel defense, but if someone really wanted to press the issue, that's probably (laughs) what we are. Daniel defense has endorsed us as, as ambassadors of their brand. Uh, they provide material support to us, factory support to us. We are currently shooting, their rifles we have been for the last year the the delta 5 pro um in both 65 creedmoor and 308 mm-hmm. um we've been shooting their <laughs> rifles and honestly i went into that relationship with kind of i tried to go into that relationship with an open open mind and that rifle has proven itself to me specifically um very nice which yeah. is it's a, it's which a is, nice rifle yeah, for me, per, for me personally, regardless of their reputation in the carbine world, uh, which their carbines perform flawlessly, that's what Phoenix SAU shoots. Um, th- this rifle has impressed me beyond my beyond my expectations. So, very nice. We're we're, we're we, you know we can answer any questions regarding those those rifles specifically, and and would be happy to put you in touch with people that that can help you out with that. Great bunch of guys there at Daniel Defense with Jason and 
Jake yep. and Nate, yep. all the guys over there, a great bunch of people. Uh, I'm going to be out there in March, March like 21st. Is that what I said? 21st to the 25th. Yeah. And uh, we're going to try to hook up. So when I'm okay, while good. I'm out there, I'm going to be at um, gun sites um, range. So good. I'll try to hook we, up with you guys. We we as a company standing offhand will be at the Texas Tactical Police Officers Association in May. And at the Ohio Tactical Officers Association conference in June. So, if any, if any of your viewers or listeners are in that part of the country and are looking to be at those conferences, oh, we'll, yeah. we will be at both of them. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, are you guys going um, to NRA? Yes. You're going to be at NRA. Obviously, an NRA, NRA member. Uh, I don't. We're still in talks with uh Daniel defense whether we're going to do the nra show uh we are going to the rocky mountain tactical team association i believe is what it is in august yeah. as well okay uh so we'll be there for that um some other stuff's obviously coming on hand and i you've got it up on the screen now but uh jeff forgot to mention our website's easiest way to go it's got all our contact information <laughs> on it <laughs> as well yeah i forgot to <laughs> mention the fucking website <laughs> i was trying to give you a hint that's why i brought it up there oh. <laughs> well, he's helping us out. So but that's standingoffhand.com uh, as well. And, Best way to get in touch with them, go to their website. But uh, you have the Instagrams and, and all the other stuff. And there's this neat little contact button right there. And they've got a, oh my God. a calendar yes. with their courses and events and things that are going on. And uh, if yeah, you guys that, go to you know, NRA, um, make sure you let me know. I'm going to be set up at the Caltech booth. Caltech will be okay. the official lead quarters uh, during the NRA this year. And that's in Houston. Uh, so you guys come by, we'll have the studio set up there. And, uh, if I don't see you before then in March, we'll see you there. Definitely. Hopefully. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very Fantastic. good. So a big thanks to all the sponsors that made this show possible. Again, seal one, check them out. Seal one.com. Uh, you get all their products with the, uh, seal one, the, the paste, the, uh, they've got aerosol, they've got the pre-soaked, they call them seal skins, the bore pads, there uh, and the microcloths, everything you need to keep your gun clean, protected, uh, and ready to go. Seal1.com. Mission First Tactical. Go to their website. Uh, actually, go Seal1. You use the code LEADHEAD, you're going to get 25% off. So don't forget that. Uh, and then Mission First Tactical for all your AR 15 accessories, your holsters, your awesome dump trays that uh, they do there. They make these cool little dump trays, guys. Let me uh, stop sharing my screen so you can see these. Stop sharing. Boom. <laughs> so I use these as my uh, my gunsmithing when I'm working on my guns or cleaning my guns. These are great for putting your parts in. and uh, That's awesome. Yeah, those are nice. And you can get all kinds of different things printed on them. They'll custom print for you. If you want your own logos on there, you can get the Talking Lead logos. Uh, we did one with Bill. You guys said you, you're friends with Bill. You know, he's with Fleoa. We yes. Went, we went to their conference this year. We had some special ones made up uh, when we were at that conference with them. Nice. Um, so you guys go to nice. Mission First Tactical and use the code LEADHEAD there. You're going to get 20% off anything on their website. And uh, if you don't see the Talking Lead logo stuff, just tell them you want the Talking Lead logo and they can put it on holsters, uh, the dump trays, and they got at least tactical wallet things. I don't have one handy. Um, great for business cards and things like that. 1776united.com, that's where you're going to get the 
official Talking Lead logoed, our Leadhead Brigade patches, our T-shirts. Uh, you can get those at 1776united.com. Use the code TALKINGLEAD. You're going to get 20% off there. Um, Factory 47 for our AK Corner aficionados. Get all our AK Corner T-shirts, hoodies, and uh, they we, we got mugs that's got the AK Corner logo on them. Uh, there you can get those. That's at Factory 47, F-A-K-T-O-R-Y 47.com. Use code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 10% off there. Our buddies over at Flatline Fiber Co. Uh, for their slings, their dump pouches uh, that he's improved upon. You use the code LEADHEAD at Flatline Fiber Co. You get 10% off there. Uh, and then Defiant Munitions, which I need to introduce you guys to Pete at Defiant Munitions. Uh, he makes a really good quality ammo. He's got all kinds of different rounds now that he's pumping out. Uh, he definitely does the 308. Uh, Defiant Munitions, use the code LEADHEAD, all caps. You get 10% off at Defiant Munitions. He's even making a coffee. Uh, he's got a coffee blend uh, there. So I don't drink coffee, nice. but he sent me some for my girlfriend. She loves it. So uh, that says a lot when she likes some coffee. She's very particular and picky about her stuff. Uh, and then, of course, Keltec. Keltec Weapons, we're going to be there, like I said, at uh, NRA. I think it's in May is when that is, I, I think. But uh, it's still a little bit out, but uh, I'll keep you informed on all the cool stuff and giveaways and things that we're going to be doing uh, with Caltech at the NRA convention. Um, I want one of those shotguns that they make that has the the KSGs. It's a it's a like the, the dual, two different ammo tubes. Two tubes. Oh, yes, yeah. KSG. Well, oh, yeah. I'll introduce you to uh, the guys at Caltech. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, they're they're that, shooters. That, that seems like an ideal Jeep gun for me. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. I don't know if you guys ever watch uh, TV or not, um, but there's this this one on HBO now. It's called Peacemaker. It's that wrestler mm-hmm. dude. Um, I can't remember. Cena. Cena? Yeah, Cena? Cena. And yeah. there's a scene in there where he's using the KSG that's Oh, pretty rad, <laughs> man! I've wanted that. I've wanted that particular weapon for a long time. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a workhorse. There's no doubt about it. Definitely. Yep. Yep. Uh, but oh, yeah. yeah, so go and show all our sponsors some love. Go show the guys here at Standing Offhand some love. Go and like their Instagram page. Let them know you're leadhead. Let them know you heard them here on the show, and uh, that you want them back on because I think we we're almost three hours into this and I didn't get to hit you with the new guy questions, which we got to do. The, <laughs> I got to do the new guy questions with you because we would have so much fun with that. So we'll save that for the next time you're for on. Part two. That's right. Absolutely. Don't, don't yep. let me forget. Leadheads. <laughs> I apologize again for the video. You got like 40 minutes of this. So uh, I'll post instructions on how I'm going to post it up, but uh, I'll make it work for everybody. And until then, if you got questions or anything, shoot me an email, talkingletgmail.com. Jack Wagons, questions, uh, suggestions for guests, uh, any of that stuff. Talkingletgmail.com. Love to hear from you, you leadheads. Uh, but until then, as always, keep your loved ones close. Fire them closer. And your guns closer because you fucking matter. Yes. Score. Score. You like that? <laughs> Perfect. I'm going with it. <laughs> <laughs>